0: Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.
1: Hold up. What was that?
2: hey guys you ever wonder what phil and i wear while we podcast you can find out if you join our patreon We'll also be talking about the films of 1989, but that's definitely less important than seeing our Zoom backgrounds, our headphone choices, and our sweatshirts.
4: It's true. It's true. You'll get to see all the various pieces of artwork that I have framed on my office wall, and you can see Kenny's garden, sort of. So that's something. That's exciting. It's a hanging garden. It's a hanging garden. Uh, but perhaps more important than anything, uh, we are doing this Patreon to cover the best films of 1989. Uh, Batman, When Harry Mitzalli, Indiana Jones, The Last Crusade, Ghostbusters 2, with amazing guests like Tom Meissen, Liz Hanna, Joanna Robinson, Brian Cogman, Chuck Hayward. You can sign up at patreon.com backslash podcast like it's 1989. And for $5, you'll get access to all the audio of these fantastic episodes. For a few bucks more, you'll get video as well of our 99 and 89 episodes. And perhaps most importantly, you'll be supporting us uh, so we can just keep making podcast content for you guys.
2: Hello and welcome to Podcasts Like It's 1999, the podcast where we talk about the films of 1999 from a brightly lit rooftop at midnight here in 2021. I'm one of your hosts, Kenny Nybar.
4: And I'm Phyllis Gove.
2: And with us again, back for her second uh, film on this podcast is... Chandler Leva Levac. I'm sorry, I didn't ask for the pronunciation again. I'm uh, as I said, I don't even leave this podcast. (laughs) Levac, right?
3: No, it's Levac,
2: idiot. I'm an idiot. (laughs) Levac, you know how I should have known because Levac is back.
3: Yeah, Levac is (laughs) back back on the
5: pod,
2: (laughs) and you know what? You're back for the second pod that you've done where I've introduced it from a rooftop. This is true. I remember in Guinevere. In Guinevere, I also introduced from a rooftop, mm-hmm. and this is also has a has a climactic rooftop scene in a it in does. last night. What um, are these Canadians I... thinking? Well, well, you know they're well exactly. You know you 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 know what they're thinking. They're thinking I'm going to make movies that Kenny's never seen nor heard of that are immediately going to shoot to like the top of his all time list.
5: <laughs> uh,
2: I. Uh, I spoiler alert! Mm. This is one of the best movies I've ever seen. <laughs> uh, I'm not kidding. I think this is, and and here and and, and here's another thing I want to say. Mm-hmm. So about the movie, Levesque, uh is back for um, Don Mc, Don McKellar directed this film. It's called Last Night. It stars Don McKellar and Sandra O. Oh. It's about uh the last night uh of the world. The world is ending at midnight. Um, phenomenon we don't really know, but I assume basically the sun is gonna crash into the world considering it is brightly lit uh, in the middle of the night. <laughs> and um I don't think this is a perfect film, but mm-hmm. I do think this is one of my favorite films. I think this is one of the this is uh one of the few films. I've ever seen that speaks directly to me, mm. directly to my heart. It is about the the, the themes uh, of this film and the the plight of the main character is something that I feel intimately acquainted with. And I this is uh, an entree for me at least to speak about favorite versus best because uh, after watching a film like this, I feel like dropping the like the. Invisible curtain between favorite and best, and best is a, to me almost a stupid designation. You are only you, there is no such thing as objectivity when uh, when a person engages with art. There is only subjectivity, and my subjective view of this film is that this is a perfect film for me. Um, and I will get into that as I go. But I was wowed, and I cried, and I loved every fucking minute of this film. Uh, even though it's a mess at times. Chandler, what's your uh, experience with last night?
3: I believe that I saw it in high school and it immediately changed my life. I'd never seen anything like it. Um, I I loved it. I also equally cried, uh, was scandalized at times, was very moved. And um, it was like kind of the perfect entree, I think, when you're sort of like in high school, but you are starting to venture out to like the foreign film sections of your local blockbuster and uh and it it just wowed me and it wowed me that it was made in canada sandra sandra O like performance utterly wowed me um and it just yeah i it remains one of my favorite movies ever like i just think it's phenomenal
4: it's It's funny i i saw it um when it came out so probably either i mean it came out in canada in 98 came out in uh, the united states in 99 which is why we're covering it but um i uh i don't think i saw it in the theater um i think i saw it probably in my first year of film school and it certainly felt like the type of movie that you can watch um and felt makeable do you know what i mean like it felt like the type of thing that um first good, of all it's that's the type a type of film, good good point yeah like it's a type of film that that <clears throat> Excuse me, that I gravitate towards, which is a talky movie where people are talking about their emotions in articulate ways and in interesting ways um, it 's got a link y kind of vibe to it um, right. in that way <clears throat> so I, I think I certainly gravitated towards that, but also you know again, either in first year of film school or certainly approaching it, it felt like a movie that I was like, "Well, maybe I could do this like that this doesn 't seem." From a filmmaking, quote-unquote filmmaking perspective, it didn't seem impossible, where so many films that you watch that you love do seem impossible to make. Um, it also, you know, it, it, take, it takes place in the city that I grew up in, and it just sort of, it felt so um, tangible. You know, it, it, it was. It literally takes place in the annex. Most of of the movie is shot in the annex, which is a area that I'm sure Chandler is uh, well acquainted with. That you've seen in Scott Pilgrim and numerous other movies. sort of Bathurst and uh, bluer ish area, um, and it just it felt really um, genuine and grounded. And uh, it's it's a really beautiful movie. And I, and we'll obviously talk about the the plot of it, um, but the end of the movie. The last scene is so like it's just I, I it is the thing I've I've always that has stayed with me that sort of like really stuck with me is that beautiful final image that we'll talk about. But um yeah, I don't know. I, I think that it also just um I mean it's such a Canadian movie. It is just brimming with like Canadian actors. I, I love the um, Canadians. I don't know. <laughs> I,
2: yeah. I I I I first of all. Yes. As an American, mm-hmm. Canadian, Ameri- and, 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 and straight up like a, you know, an American film nerd to some extent, uh, Canadian films are Goyen and Cronenberg, yeah. and that's all you get. I didn't know this existed.
4: Right? That's, what get. <laughs> that's, that's all, we all get. I mean, Villeneuve now. But
3: other sure. Canadian? There's other countries and yeah. or there's other provinces in Canada too where they also. Of course,
2: of course. I mean, of course. <laughs> I, that's my point.
3: That's my it's my the only point. ones
2: that have okay. registered
4: down here. I think. Yeah, of they're the,
2: the, the only problem. one. No, they're the only ones that who have registered as Canadian. You know what I mean? Like there are obviously other Canadian filmmakers and certainly other Canadian actors who've gravitated or, or, or migrated down. Uh, to the, very good to the lower forty-eight, and have kind of you know lost their 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 Canadian essence, right? I don't think people look mm-hmm. at Seth Rogen and say there's a great Canadian actor. So uh, I think that, to, but that's not really even what I'm talking about. Like this just didn't make any kind of mark here, and sure. that's very disappointing because this is uh, an incredibly excellent film. A, excellent film that would have affected me. It we did reminds me a little bit of my experience with Girl on uh, Girl on the Bridge,
4: mm-hmm.
2: which would have like uh, changed you mentioned. Jump started me as a filmmaker, <laughs> sure, right? Sure. Or as as a, as a budding filmmaker, which would have changed my perspective of, of what you could do as a filmmaker and 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 opened my eyes. That's not what this film is for me. Mm. This film speaks directly to me as a person, yeah. which is better. Right. That's sure. what movies are supposed to do. And and uh, I forgot for a minute, like in the beginning, I'm taking notes and I'm thinking, you know, one of the things I wrote was like, this is the most independent film we've done, mm-hmm. uh, even though the answer really is Blair Witch. But Blair Witch sure. doesn't even count. It's it's a phenomenon. It's a different thing. But this like we just did Sex Lies and Videotape on the 89 pod, which is your quintessential indie film, which stars James Spader, who is already a massive star. Right this is a real independent film that looks like it was made on a shoestring budget despite a few um, interesting FX shots that we can go into. Uh, And, uh, you know, the way it's lit, the way it's shot, it kind of, I didn't like it initially. Like I can, you know, the themes that, that, the themes were always resonant and the the tone was interesting and and, and the, the, the premise is, you know, is directly at my heart. But the way it was shot felt very cheap.
5: Mm-hmm.
2: And uh, that is something that you had to grapple with. But I I am telling you, I'm giving it no extra points, no bonus points at the end of the day because I think it was made uh, cheaply. I am giving it bonus points only because it's super excellent and probably better than any other film we've done this year. Okay.
3: That's I want to. I wanna... Because it costs $2.5 yeah. $2. Yeah. million. Yeah. Which in yeah. you know, the late 90s would be, I don't know, you know, if you factor in inflation and stuff, that's certainly a lot more. And, and, and you could like tell, you could I tell as you go. Picture. <laughs> I know.
5: And you,
2: and, and you could tell as you go on where that money was spent. It's not easy to block off uh, streets. It's not easy to make no. the place look like it's falling, you know, like the world is ending. It's not easy to uh, have large crowd shots. It's not easy to have a car, you know, vertical on the street. These kind of things. But uh, the way – and and at the end, you know, you don't know what's happening at the beginning of the movie. But at the end, you understand why it's lit the way it's lit, right? Like that that was a decision, kind of like my room right now. That was a decision that wasn't, you know, a product of like a, a lighting guy who doesn't know what he's doing.
5: Well,
2: it's so, funny
4: because I actually had that thought because I couldn't remember um, why – it was happening, like what the, 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 why the world was ending necessarily. Yeah. But about halfway through the film, I was like, why is it so fucking bright still? Like it's 11 (laughs) o'clock at night. Like what's going on? And, and I appreciated that at the end, they kind of, I mean, they just basically says, you know, I, I I miss nighttime, but um, it's, it, it, I, if I have a nitpicky thing, it might be that in the sense that I kind of think that from a mood perspective, it was a little weird to have the sun all the time and i'm not sure it was weird in the best way again like i'm this is a nitpicky thing i don't really really care but i don't know what you guys thought about it
3: feels like a budget decision
4: that's what i think think too
3: producers being like okay well we can get more daylight if we shoot it we can Mm -hmm. can't it just all be in one day and he's like but if we have to show the night it's last night well what if it's like a sci-fi thing and the sun's actually
5: (laughs) totally and it's the best kind of budget like, oh, decision. Really, that sounds yeah. insane. And
3: then he's like, "Just write it. Just try. it. You're the creative. I don't want to infringe on that." But like,
2: <laughs> <laughs> it, that, but that's the best kind of budget decision, right? One that yeah, actually right. works its way organically into totally. the plot. Mm-hmm. It's tough that this is this is literally what the Ray Fine Sunshine movie Sunshine is about. So it's not yeah. like it's not like we have it's not like we have not had you know the the notion of the sun enveloping us as the end sure. of the world out there. Sure
3: or so, melancholia is kind of like melancholia,
2: yeah, melancholia is, is well, also yeah, about
4: yeah, a yeah. very bright thing <laughs> in the earth. about to take over the earth yeah, yeah
2: it's not the sun but still like and again we don't know this is the sun it could be a meteor i have no fucking idea what it is burning up in the atmosphere but the point is like this if this was done for budgetary reasons more power to them because i think this allowed you to have and, and, I, and i think this is a, a thematic decision and it speaks and it speaks to why i love this movie so much the uh it, it's kind of a it's kind of a fade but it's kind of like a it's almost it's just it's, it's like something between like a, a you can't really fade to white but it's like a it's like a smash to white but a slow yeah. smash mm-hmm. to white mm-hmm. which is so much more keeping with the the spirit of the end of this movie than a smash to black would be Mm-hmm. So,
4: I think there's also, um, and I'm curious as to your thoughts on this, Chandler. Um, in terms of Don McKellar's voice, uh, voice as an actor, voice as a, as a writer director, um, Kenny. I think the only, perhaps the only other time you've seen him was uh, in Existence Yeah, um,
2: and I guess we'll see him in the Red Violin when we do it. Correct, he correct. Co-wrote, but he's another a, Canadian a, film. I had no idea was Canadian. <it>.
3: I love how you're just like only you could only see these movies if you had to physically watch every single movie released in
2: 1999. 100 yeah. true though.
4: Always- <laughs> <laughs> but McKellar has a very interesting. I mean, Twitch City, which is a show that that Kenny, I think you'd actually really like. It's a it's a very strange uh, half hour comedy that Don McKellar uh, did for the CBC. I think there's, I think there might be a total of. 18 episodes of it, if that. Um, I have it on DVD. You can absolutely borrow it. It's bizarre, and it's about a guy who basically never leaves his apartment and is, and is obsessed with television. Um, Molly Parker's in it, as is... Uh, uh... That's, that's my dream. <laughs> <laughs> um, but But I do think that he has such an interesting sense of humor that I do think is very Canadian in the sense of it being sort of droll and kind of off kilter, but in a way that is polite <laughs> and doesn't yes. feel too alienating. <laughs> um, and, and is, and I think that like that's watching this again for the first time, honestly, in 20 years, um, the dinner scene, the first dinner scene, the Christmas dinner scene is so odd and so awkward and filled with so much sort of cringy moments and, uh, and emotional moments and, and, really kind of encapsulates the odd tone that this movie is trying to navigate. And sometimes it's successful, sometimes it's not. Um, but his delivery, Don McKellar as the lead, as is kind of weird, too. Like, he's a very strange hero. Hero, I put in quotation marks. A, a protagonist to follow through this movie in a good way. Um, it's just emblematic of Canadian movies. Like Kenny was talking about how this movie obviously didn't make much of an impression down here, even though Roger Ebert reviewed it. God bless him. um, He's, he has not reviewed bigger movies in 1999. So I'll, I'll take that as a, as a, as a good thing, but
3: yeah, it it screened at con one award at con, Mm -hmm. you know, and I guess for context, like Don McKellar, uh, you know, started out like he's an actor, he's a writer, he works in theater. He, was one of the writers of the Drowsy Chaperone, that was like a huge Broadway musical. He um, has collaborated with like um, Adam McGoin a lot. and was in Exotica, and
4: oh, that's right. He wasn't that. Exotica that was a great movie. I, yeah. I, I um, we have we have a Adam Magoian film as well, Kenny, which which uh, you'll be watching this year in <laughs> yeah, Felicia's I, Journey. So you've got uh, another. Kenny I know. I get a
2: little Hoskins. <laughs> But obviously, but it's not a uh, it's not a really Canadian no. set. Interestingly enough, no, I'm
3: trying to think not. what John McKellar is like. Is he our Canadian Woody Allen? He's sort of.
4: Oh boy, that's <sighs> that's a that's a damning a, thing. in a
3: non problematic way. But like yeah. in a way that he's writing vehicles for himself to star in, and he's the writer director of it. And I, I has, honestly think he, a, like a I feel like mind.
4: Linklater. I, I mean, Linklater doesn't act in his film, so maybe that's the wrong uh the wrong connection i know what you're saying in the sense of him he does make vehicles for himself i also think it should be said too like and this is not a slight on don mckeller but he doesn't look like a movie star either you know what i mean like he doesn't he doesn't his presence is very again meek you know what i mean like he doesn't he doesn't demand your attention which is an interesting choice yeah i want to get into this okay so
2: i I mean i have so many feelings about this because (laughs) i think everything was great all right, so is he Woody Allen? I don't think so. Right. Woody Allen is in love with himself, um, and Woody Allen and Woody Allen has decided mm. that Woody Allen, all you know, warts and all, is an appropriate leading man for mm. films.
3: Especially now, with I'm not, young women.
5: Yeah, especially I, with young women,
2: right? Yeah, and and yeah. and and I don't think that that's I don't think that that's a throwaway. I think that that that's part of this thesis that I'm. Presenting, which is, he has decided that Woody Allen is an appropriate leading man for these movies. That Woody Allen is the kind of person that can, you know, attract a, a attract a Meryl Hemingway, can attract a, a Scarlett uh, Johansson, can attract. A,
4: do they actually sleep together in a movie? Uh, aren't they in a movie together? Aren't they well, in, scoop together? Is he in scoop
2: together?
4: Or no? Scooby's I don't
3: think she's a kindly magician. To uh, she's not like.
2: The, I mean, He's that like was not again not do, defending like, this,
3: this... jackman not not what Allen.
4: okay good good, good. Sorry, not defending
2: apologies. this guy at all but that was the yeah. first uh actress i think that he was like that would be too unrealistic i remember that being like that he's That's like the no one yeah. no one would buy it right
5: yeah even
2: yeah. though like you know he was with like fucking you know yeah. who was he with in uh some, someone ridiculous he was like with like
4: in, in with julia roberts Harry. in uh in everyone says i yeah, love true. you yeah right.
2: and uh um, so Servino Sorvino and servino who okay. just- died, who died to get into bed with him in that movie he's like no 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 she's like yes 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 so the the point i'm making is the point i'm making is like he 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 expects the audience to accept him as a leading man, which by the way is like not it's it's not like a like a it's it's not the it's it's not a um sort what of I'm looking for. It, it's not self defeating, right? right? It's not like like self deprecating.
4: Like,
2: no, no, it's not self. Like it doesn't destroy the movie. Oh,
4: sure. It's sure, not.
2: Sure. It, it's not necessarily something that like you you have to explain your presence in a movie, right? As a leading man, if you look like Woody Allen, right? But you know, it does help a little bit. Right, it does help a little bit if you do have a discussion somewhere within the context of the movie of this is why in this world woody Al- a guy like Woody Allen is treated like he's a you know like like he's Brad Pitt if this is why okay Don Mckellar does that in this film you go through an hour and 10 minutes of this film where you're kind of like all right this is an unusual. Way in this is unusual this is an unusual protagonist this is an unusual guy that we're spending the last hours on earth with Mm -hmm. and then he explains it to you and that's my favorite scene of the movie so when you say phil the dinner is odd Mm -hmm. it undoubtedly is odd
4: yeah
2: but uh that's my experience with my family right (laughs) the the those, that dinner scene, the sitting in the, the living room, him getting there late and getting, you know, kind of passively aggressive, passive aggressively, you know, taking the task for it. His mom um, breaking down because he's not spending the last hours on earth with him. Like I, yeah. my parents listen to this podcast, so they might get upset when I say this. But My parents have twice canceled Thanksgiving because I am going to spend it with my wife's family. They didn't wow. do Thanksgiving. Wow. so i can re- I can relate to For a situation sure. where yeah. y- where the happiness of an entire family yeah is put on one member of the family okay so then
5: yeah i'll take that, that, that
2: a step further because that's that that felt very real to me sure breaking it on the table
5: mm.
2: now i 'll take that a step further when he says to sandra Oh, that you have to beat my family to understand this uh but <laughs> My ex-girlfriend, or ex-wife. We don't know who, who the who the person is who died, but he had a mm-hmm. a love who died. But she showed me that uh, I didn't know how much I can love, and it turns out I can love a lot. Okay. Yeah, that's Pretty something lying. I feel too very strongly, right? Sure. Which is, you know, I don't. Again, I mean, this is this is getting into some anywhere but here territory for me, where I might have to like <laughs> sort of stop stop the podcast and like process little... what i process what I'm going through. But, like, yes, that very much felt like my experience, where for 25 years of my life, I didn't really understand what it felt like to love someone or be loved in that way. Now, I'm going to take it a step further. Okay. If my wife died, and I was texting this to her during the movie. She didn't watch with me. But if my wife died, my feeling will be, or would be, uh, the world may as well end. Oh, So that is, uh, and and it's not, and and I want to like, I want to like make a draw a very clear line between I should kill myself versus the world should end. My feeling is not if my wife died, I should kill myself. My feeling is everyone should die. (laughs) No, just like it's over. Like that's it.
5: Okay. And
2: then I want to take it a step further. (laughs) Your this movie is ultimately about how crazy that feeling is, mm-hmm. and how it's never actually over. Until the last fucking moment, it's never actually over. And he ends his life and the world ends on this un fucking speakable high. This unspeakable high. It is the most fucking optimistic movie. For like brutally depressed people like me, <laughs> who have like you know I've mentioned on the, who have like I've literally gone into fucking programs for it. Thank you both for being Canadian and being part of a country and a culture for that, that, that gave me this film. All right,
4: I'm done. I, I want to say, first of all, you know, it, it's... We're
3: very moved to the country of Canada. Thanks. <laughs> <you>. <laughs> so your
4: country, I mean, I think that's, uh, first of all, obviously it's a really beautiful um, sentiment. And I think that, you know, I, I agree with you, Kenny, in the sense that I also kind of locked into this film on a... Um, on an emotional level, I'm not married, uh, as as our listeners very well know. Um, but I did think that this was the most optimistic movie about the end of the world that Possible. you really could. I mean, there's obviously some, you know, David Cronenberg's fate is not exactly lovely, but for the most part, uh, and we'll get into that, but for the most part, I do think that. Um, it's it's such a Canadian movie <laughs> like there's in this in the Roger Ebert review. Uh, I'm just going to read a little bit of it uh, at the end here. Um, you, he why went don't you to, do all the
2: context when uh, I'll do all
4: the I'll do all the context. But I just I want to specifically land on this just this one sentence at the end of the review. He talks about how he went to the Toronto Film Festival um, and someone asked him if he could differentiate between American and Canadian films. And Ebert said that he couldn't. But another guest, Wayne Carlson, said, Sandra Go goes into a grocery store to find a bottle of wine for dinner. The store has been looted. She finds two bottles still on the shelf. She takes them down, evaluates them, chooses one, puts the other one down politely back on the shelf. That's how you know it's a Canadian film. (laughs) And I do think that there's there's something to how um, unassuming this movie is, too. Like, this movie isn't looking to change your life but it's happy if it does if that makes any sense like it's not really i don't um, agree with
2: you but i, I mean i just <laughs> I, I
4: i guess what i mean is that i don't i don't know that that i i think that this film had an incredible emotional impact on me but i'm not convinced that don mckellar um, it's a magnum opus like i, I mean but it's his it, first movie <laughs> so fucking <laughs> a Orson I, guess that's first true. Movie. I guess that's
2: true. It's a it's true. a magnum opus. Like it's a <laughs> like like the the end of if, if you watch the end of that film and yeah. you don't think he was trying to change your life, I don't get I guess, it. Like,
4: I guess that's true. I guess that's true. I can't I can't I, I can't dispute that. I guess I just mean that it it's not um it doesn't feel uh it just feels so intimate. In yeah. a way, it's 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 not it doesn't feel like this sprawling giant thing. And I guess that's my own fault for equating that as important and non-important or as epic and not epic. It is epic I, in its intimacy, I guess. I, I
2: I think that's that's the brilliance of the movie for me, yeah. is is how affecting it was without yeah uh w- w- without being lawrence of arabia and, sure, sure you know sure. or you know we just watched the uh the trailer for the eternals and it had one of those very typical you know sure. like uh like like pans giant over sweeping, water yeah, 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 yeah. giant sweep pan over water in the beginning which kind of you know says it's going to be a really important beautiful movie it yeah. does none of that it's a pretty ugly looking movie but yeah. that's fine that's 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 again the way it kind of lulls you into a sense of i i i watched this in two sittings like like i i did i mean i started late on on saturday night but like it wasn't it wasn't urgent for me sure and i think that that is kind of like the second half is just such a wallop
4: it's amazing um i'm gonna give a little bit of context uh chandler um unless you had something you wanted to did you want to say before i do the context
3: Oh, I mean, I, I just think that, you know, especially in the context of this movie, I know when Armageddon was being released, Don McKellar was afraid that, like, oh, people aren't going to watch this movie if they're watching Armageddon. Right. <laughs> and
4: and <laughs> they didn't. <laughs> <laughs>
3: but but I don't a,
4: know if it's because of Armageddon, but yeah.
3: It's really, like, it's a small-scale, like, human story that's, like, been ex expertly like drama the dramaturgy of this movie is incredible like you feel like doma keller is just such a great writer and it's so nuanced and specific and it's so canadian in that of course people would spend their last day on earth like being guilty that they haven't called their mother back or you know like dom like david Cronenberg plays like a man whose last day on earth is spent like politely yes she like stays on the streetcar, like being like, "Oh, I'm sure the driver will come back soon. It's yeah. like, that is like, I've lived in Toronto for, I was born here. I've lived here like almost my whole life. And it's just like the kind of level of like politeness and passive <laughs> aggression and toxicity yeah. and like someone like asking you to have sex with them on the last night of your earth and you being, Oh, I would consider it if I had time to emotionally prepare for it. But unfortunately <laughs> I must go back home it's like that's yep,
2: yep. what being Canadian is. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I what I really appreciate about this movie beyond all the stuff I said, beyond Don McKellar's, you know, kind of journey that mirrors my own in life. It had <laughs> it, it, it yeah. also had very a very healthy global relationship yes. with death
5: mm-hmm. and
2: with the end of the world. And I, you know, you keep I I kept thinking. Well, okay. You have Cronenberg's character who's calling every single, uh, every single com- uh, customer of the gas company and saying we're going to do our best to keep the gas on. You have the other woman who works there who's also working. You have the people who are still working for the news. You have people and and people who are you know having sex with strangers. And every moment you do have this little voice in the in the back of your head saying, "Is that really what they would do on the last night on, on their last night on earth?" And you know what? I I, I feel really strongly that like. You got to do something and, and you got to do something. And what are you going to do? Are you going you to, you know, go kill someone? I mean, like some characters do, or are you going to flip cars over? Like some characters do, are you going to have sex with strangers? Like some characters, do? some people are just, just happy to go about their routine. And I, I've, I've gotten to the point in my life where if the world was ending tomorrow night, I wouldn't do anything special. I would just go about it like any other day. Not because, like, not because of any psychological thing. Where I'm like, this is the healthiest thing to do. You're dying anyway. It doesn't matter. Just you got to do something. And I, I you know, I, I think about that in terms of, again, you know, this movie, this very small, intimate movie, makes you think about very large things and themes in your life and uh, um, consequences of, of living and, and and having a life and having ambitions. And I think about people like Clint Eastwood or Sidney Lumet. Or, uh, or, uh, whatever, any director who works into their 80s or 90s, or anybody who works into their 80s or 90s. Um, and, uh, why do they do that? Why would you get up when you're 85 years old and go make, you gotta do something? Like, what are you gonna do? Sit and fucking drink lemonade? You gotta do something. You're, you're alive. So you may as well make the most of it. And if you like making films, you should make films. And, that, like, and, and that's how I feel about this movie. Okay, you have one day left. Well, do something you like doing. Yeah. You know, well, so It's,
4: it's, it's also, that- I mean, it keeps you alive too, right? Like it keeps you motivated, it keeps your mind occupied. I'm not I mean-
2: confident of that. I'm not confident of that. I don't know the answer right. to that. All I know yeah. is that like, you just got to do something or else you're doing nothing and you're worried.
4: And well, that's like, what Billy Wilder complained about the most was when he basically couldn't get a movie made for like almost the last 20 years of his life and it it it, it drove him crazy. He was just like, I just want to be making movies and, and it, it couldn't happen. Chandler, you were going to say something?
3: Oh, um, I think what struck me about this movie, watching it again, was that it kind of feels like it's like, it's almost like he took the conceit of like New Year's Eve, you know, and like <laughs> the pressure of New Year's Eve and what yeah, are you going to sure. do on New Year's Eve and you have this idea that there's this big countdown and like, you're heading into the new year and you have to mark in a special way. But like every time you try to do that, you're still bringing all of your own insecurities and ego. And de- it's, it's always depressing to know that New Year's Eve is sometimes depressing for people. And um, it never occurred to me that on the last night of my life, I would feel like I'm sure my mom would organize something and I would be conflicted whether or not I want to stay there. And she'd be like, pressuring me into being there all night. And I think I have to go. Oh, you're just going home to your apartment alone? And like, (laughs) you know, like this idea that like, it's actually a lot of pressure to think about how you would spend the last night of Oh, for sure. And if I'm just thinking about if this movie came out now and got remade in sort of also the context of watching it during a pandemic, like in Toronto, um, having experienced like everything we have this year, it's kind of like... Fascinating to think about how social media would absolutely ruin this. This movie would not be the same if it was made today.
2: No, no um, it wouldn't. It would be. It, it would. It wouldn't. I mean, you're right. And I, I think one of the most liberating things I've done in my life is is not caring about New Year's Eve anymore. <laughs> uh, I don't stay up till midnight, not on purpose. Okay. I just never stay up till midnight. You know, and sure. I just it's like any other fucking night, and it, which is just what it is. Like. I used to, I mean, the worst time of my life was New Year's Eve 2000. And New Year's Eve 2000 for me, I was a senior in high school. Uh, I w- I had a lot of friends, and I felt really good about, like, my place and, and school and how we were going to have this great New Year's. It was a great party. I believe it was Quint- Kristen Quintano's house. Um, our whole grade was there and several other grades. And it really was, like... It it was, it had a real like, you know, devil's night feel, but the opposite. We're like, nothing bad was going to happen, but everything was off. Everything was on limits. Right. So I wound up getting really sick that week and I wound up getting on and having to be on antibiotics. And this was definitely before I was like the kind of person who would drink on antibiotics. I didn't know what was going to happen. So I wasn't going to drink on New Year's Eve, which, you know, like sucked, but also meant I was going to drive my friends, which wasn't
4: terrible. Okay.
2: What that meant was I had the car, right? Sure. I was, and I, not only that, I had a car, I was sober. So around, and again, you know, just like this countdown of this movie where you see seven o'clock, eight o'clock, nine o'clock, 10 o'clock. Around 10 o'clock, one of my best friends, whose name also was Kenny, said, the only other Kenny I've ever known, (laughs) said uh, that his girlfriend who lived uh, two towns over Was mm-hmm. having an issue with an ex-boyfriend And he needed to go pick her up And the issue was like I don't really know what it is But it sounded dangerous Okay. So he said he couldn't Because he was too drunk And he asked me to take his car and go So uh, I took his car And drove to town Drove like 30 minutes there 30 minutes back it's 10 o'clock on New Year's Eve 2000 um, You know with, with all my big plans for the night But they were blown and on top of that, his, his uh, I remember his interior light wouldn't go off. So the windows were all fogged up. So I was constantly like unfogging the windows. I didn't know how to use his Weird. car. A, okay. I I got there, like kind of prepared to like potentially have to fight someone. Mm-hmm. Um, we got in. Kenny was, you know, bigger and stronger than me and was kind of able to like scare the guy off and then stayed with his the girlfriend there. So okay. I am driving back across town <laughs> in his shitty car. Uh-huh. Um, Two like two towns, another half hour. Show up at eleven o'clock. Kristen lived on top of the hill. I was parked. My my car was parked on top of the hill. His car, I had to park down at the bottom because it was late. So I parked his car down at the bottom around eleven fifteen. Go up. Had a had a had a devastating crush on this girl <laughs> who I was hoping to like kiss that night. Uh huh. Walked up the hill only to find this girl and another one of my best friends making out on my car.
5: Uh, (laughs) Which is...
2: And then I stood outside, didn't even watch the ball drop on New Year's Eve 2000 with my good friend Jeremy Tucker and we just stood there and that was it.
4: On your car. Insults On my car,
2: yes. and, uh, And I'm sure they didn't know it was my car and I'm sure they didn't know that I had this, you know... Crush, yeah. Yeah, the, the, the suffocating crush But it was Point being It was a bad New Year's Eve I re- When they were driving across like the world In their car at like 11 o'clock It reminded me of that And uh, it's not worth trying To ever make these things That should be totally spontaneous Like exceptional It's sure. not worth it It's just worth like living in the moment And having things happen Mm-hmm. doing your best to have a good time but if they don't being able to like you know pivot into something else that's that something something else new and fun and exciting um so that's it that was my shitty new year's eve and i think that also shitty informed years. that also informed my my like feelings about this movie my feelings sure. about trying to like make something as good as possible like as good as you know just just be yourself just it's any other night so
4: I am. Um, I want to give Sorry it just a little that bit of long context. Story, but that was- no, no, please. Yeah. I, I listen. Uh, in this Canadian drama by Don McKellar, various citizens of Toronto anxiously await the end of the world, which is occurring for reasons unexplained at midnight. While widower Patrick Wheeler, uh, played by Don McKellar, braces for his fate, he meets Sandra, played by Sandra O, oh, the wife of a businessman who's intent on committing suicide. Meanwhile, Patrick's friend, Greg, uh, played by Callum. Uh, Keith Rennie embraces a hedonistic approach to the apocalypse, decides to have as much sex as he can while there's still time. Last night opened in the United States on April 30th, 1999. It would go on to make around $600,000 on a $2.3 million budget. It's got 84% on Rotten Tomatoes from critics, 85% from audiences. Roger Ebert gave the film three stars and says, "I'm I'm writing in the closing days of December 1999. Uh, there are those who expect an apocalypse in a week or so when Y2K shuts down the power grid and roving bands of carnivorous Americans stalk heavily armed into the streets to steal each other's Christmas presents. My own guess is that New Year's Eve will be more uneventful than usual as uh, <laughs> most of us pause awestruck at the chiming of the millennial clock. Don McKellar's Last Night is a Canadian film about the end of the world and paints a picture more bittersweet than violent. While American fantasies run towards riot, rape, and pillage, life will end in Toronto, we learn, with farewell dinners, favorite songs, and people deciding they have put off far too long their intention to sleep with one another. Um, I and, don't know and, why and he made murder. this. Murder and people taking golf clubs yeah. to cars correct
2: and and, and yeah. Sandra O oh barely getting away from getting like attacked by a mob like i love you canadians but like let's not pretend that that wasn't also part I, of the I, I listen uh, I'm the one that made this a, a I know I know <laughs> I, you're right you're right but like i think that I, I think that if if it didn't have those elements people would yes. be like you canadians live on another planet <laughs> Correct.
5: correct. Like, you know, uh, the New York Times, for Columbine, uh, where
3: uh, Michael Moore goes and unlocks everybody's doors in Toronto yes. and like, walks in people's yeah. houses, and they're like,
4: "It's ridiculous."
5: like, it's like "Oh."
4: No one locks yeah. their doors. Yeah. I mean, anyway. Uh, the New York Times uh, said a smart, stiff upper lip alternative to a movie like Armageddon. Don McKellar and Sandra O oh give intense performances. Uh, Entertainment Weekly gave the film an A minus, calling it a surreal, elegantly melancholy, and yet witty ensemble story, and that Sandra O oh stole all of the scenes. Peter Howell of The Toronto Star commented on the may- many Canadian cast members suggesting that the film might be too damn Canuck for its own good. Yeah. Uh, and. Uh, <laughs> In 2002, readers of Playback Magazine Insecure voted. He's a
0: Canadian.
2: He doesn't. Yes, eat it is. Is.
4: I'll own yeah. it, man. Yeah. <laughs> uh, in 2002, readers of Playback Magazine voted Last Night as the ninth greatest film of all time. Canadian ninth film. Ninth greatest Canadian film. Canadian yeah. film of all time. Uh, and in 2012, uh, Oliver Littleton of Inderwire named the film one of the five most underseen Apocalypse films uh, worthy of viewing writing that compared to Armageddon and Deep Impact for its quiet, character-driven approach. nothing Um, like those movies. It's just that they don't... I I mean, it's like Deep Impact, but it's not like Armageddon.
2: Armageddon is not about the end of the world. Armageddon is about saving the world. Like it's it, like sure. act. It's like it's it's a completely different film. It is about actively trying to stave off the end of the world. Deep Impact, totally. like to some extent, is about trying to save it and failing. And then the last act kind of becomes like a, not even the last act. The last ten minutes becomes yeah. trying to accept it. This movie is about accepting acceptance from totally. the jump. Mm-hmm. It's like mm-hmm. the it, it doesn't even. It's so lazy to even put it in those in those uh in in, in the context of those films.
3: But yeah. Uh, Yeah, I was watching this. I watched this film on CBC Gem, which is the CBC's like streaming service. So every 20 minutes it would break for ads and it'd be like, take the Canadian census today or like Ontario's got you covered for your Corona shot vaccine. All Canadians must take the vaccine. Oh, We've got this, Ontario. Do your part. <laughs>
4: <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. But so was it in in uh, in Letterbox on Gem, yeah, or it was it in also a in four really five? Weird
3: format. So that's I, weird. I, that's cool. I didn't know that. I love.
4: Yeah, it's <laughs> in four five. It's it it seems four like it, four three. Sorry, it, it seems. I mean, I guess it was shot on film, but it looks oh, like yeah. video at times. It does. It was it looks shot different. on
3: film. I think they did a bleach bypass for the color correction, which is very of the era. Like, that's what, like three kings. Yeah. Like
4: it's just, it's an odd looking movie. I, I forgot that about it. And when it started, I think similar to you, Kenny, I, I found it a little bit like, Ugh, this movie really kind of doesn't look great. Um, but then was pulled into the story and stopped caring. But I, I definitely felt like um, it has a very intentional, as you mentioned, Chandler, the bypass component of it.
3: It's probably it, to emulate like the light. Like,
4: yeah, brighter right.
3: and, and more um, stark. But and blown I think out. I also read yeah. that he, you know, intentionally tried to like film it in a w- more composed way because he was afraid about like acting and directing at the same time. So. Sure, sure, sure. He kind of wanted to have more like long takes and stuff,
4: which you definitely feel like it's, it's a pretty static movie. There's not a lot of camera movement in it. Although there's some, there are some nice moments and there's some uh, photography moments that when we walk through the plot um, that, that jumped out at me. Um, but I, I wanted to sort of, you know, Chandler, you just wrapped shooting a feature in Toronto during a pandemic yeah. <laughs> so it does it does feel like uh, you know. Um, did this, I mean, did you did you think about I mean, I don't know how many exteriors you had. This is a pretty exterior heavy movie, all things considered, uh, which Kenny mentioned in terms of why perhaps the budget was a little bit higher. Um, but were there a lot of exteriors in your film? Did you find did you think about your film while you were watching this film at all?
3: Um, I my film's like almost exclusively interiors.
4: <laughs> right, so right. Okay, there you go.
3: Uh, I can't quite, comp- uh, it's not comparable, but I, I do think that there, it's interesting because I was thinking a lot kind of about, like, I feel like everything you need to know about Canadian cinema is sort of wrapped up in that little recap that you did of like the reception of last night. It's kind of like a Canadian critic decrying that the movie's is too Canadian and won't be successful <laughs> because of that. Uh, Roger Ebert saying like, "Oh, this movie is so polite, even though there's like sure. a huge amount of violence." And David Cronenberg like literally gets shot in the face. Shot in the face, yeah. <laughs> um, it made yeah. six hundred thousand dollars. <laughs> <laughs> um, yet it played it like con, and you know, like yeah. like last night is like always frequently like one of the. It's like in the Canadian registry domain mm. is like. What like our biggest cinematic accomplishment?
2: What? Well, it is, but that's great because it's the best film I've ever made. But <laughs> what? But what? like,
3: like this is like the gold standard of Canadian cinema. This movie, and it's so funny that you're like, oh, I don't know, I've never heard of this before. But like for us, it's like this is this is what we're known for. This is as good as it gets when it comes. I, to-
2: it's that's that's I don't know whose fault that is. I don't blame myself. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but uh, but I, I I am curious. My interest was peaked when they said it was considered the ninth greatest um, film of all time. If you told me an American film was the ninth greatest film of all time, I could probably rattle off what the top eight were within Nintendo. like. Well, I could probably I could probably tell you what I think. Like, a yeah, group you'd of be like Casablanca.
3: Citizen, in King.
2: like in like fifteen yeah. guesses, I can nail Yeah, so what are i and i'm just assuming you guys can do the same for canadian <laughs> films even though you obviously can do it for american films as well uh mm-hmm. what are considered like the top 10 canadian films of all time oh
3: my god
4: <sighs> yeah that's a that's actually a harder question than you would than you would think i mean I, 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 and i don't clearly,
5: say clearly do
2: you say, hear the, you, chandler continue. immediately was like castle go yes it is very easy <laughs> well, for films.
3: what is it for like, it's got to be it's probably like going down the road and stories we tell might squeeze on. I would
4: put that there. up there. I mean, yeah. Sweet Hereafter Sarah, definitely would, Sarah Polly would be Sarah
3: yeah. stories we yeah. tell? Yeah. So
4: like recent stuff, Sweet Hereafter yeah.
2: is pretty recent.
3: Like our, our Najouet, the fast runner, would probably be on that
4: Sure, race. sure. <laughs> I think, I mean, also just, I mean, there would be some Cronenberg. I imagine you'd have yeah. a, a Dead Ringers yeah. or, or a Videodrome or something like that.
2: Yeah. Oh I mean, I, I think that I can't wait for you to do this. Screen dress, Canadian
4: it's gonna, films. Yeah, I'm excited, so, but
2: I'm, I'm going to talk to Clay first and and make it very clear that they should be films that were shot by Canadians in Canada, yeah. because I do think that, like, sure. yeah, I, I I think that that I think
4: Denis, Denis Villeneuve's Maelstrom is a wonderful movie that would be on my list for sure. I mean, there's... I'm going to look
3: it up. You...
4: Sorry, Kenny, I didn't mean to cut you off. What were you saying? No, I
3: I. I I, I think that they should be here's,
4: Canadian films shot in Canada. Like the
3: top ten Canadian films of all time are, um, according to the. Oh no! I think Tiff did eventually do the actual all-time best.
2: Yeah, Tiff, what do you got?
3: <laughs> okay, this what do you is According to the Canadian Encyclopedia. Okay. Okay, this is from Tiff. Wait. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I think this is right. Uh, okay, number one: Arsenageuette, The Fast Runner. <laughs> Shout out. Isaac <laughs> to, to, to yourself. Shout out
2: to yourself. Shout out Forgetting to you. I knew it. <laughs>
3: 2002. So the greatest movie Of ever made in Canada came out in 2002. Um, wow. Moulin- it's like Antoine, in a mood
2: for love. Antoine,
3: Good. 1971. Claude Jutra, canceled. Wait, wait, hang on
2: one second. <laughs> one second. One second. The first two films, are they both French language?
3: No, the first one no. is an indigenous film. So it's entirely. Um, okay. And then the second one is French language from oh,
2: yeah, 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 Come on, guys. Not, get get that there's anything wo- not that there's anything wrong with that, but this country is like <laughs> 80, 80 or 90% English speaking, right? So, like, come on. Stop being so self hating. All right, go ahead.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, it just points to kind Valid. of yes. English Canadian cinema, how it's thought of <laughs> in
5: <Canada.
3: laughs> um, Number three, Get in Nagoya, Sweet Her After, 1997. Number four, Jesus of De Montreal Montreal, Arkin, Arcan, 1989. A
5: lot of these are like from the late 80s and 90s. Um Liello, uh 1990- 88, um, What a country. David Cronenberg.
3: Crazy by Jean-Marc Vallée is number eight. Interesting.
4: That's a Back? recent movie.
3: Yeah, my Winnipeg.
4: My Winnipeg
2: was a doc, right? Pardon? Yeah, uh, no, my Winnipeg is a doc, or it's not a doc?
3: Oh, it is. It's kind of like a surrealist, oh, yeah. Like, yeah, abstract kind of documentary. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. And then number ten is a is a tie <laughs> between <laughs> Stories We Tell, Sarah Pauly, and Les Ordres by Michel Brault in 1974.
4: I think it's interesting and it's worth highlighting the obviously the, the large French Canadian component of this list. And I think part of that has to do with the fact that I actually think that a fair amount of Canadian films that transcend yeah. outside of Canada tend to be French Canadian because they feel like they have more World films. Yeah, they're foreign and what happened? I mean. This is part of There's I can't. There's a catch but I also, Chandler, I want to ask you about this too, because I feel like, and Kenny, I, I want your thoughts on this as well. There, there is every time, every media class I had in high school and in junior high, there would inevitably be a teacher that would say, this is the definition of Canadian cinema, or this is the definition of Canadian music in comparison to American music or American film. And, you know, part of the problem is that we don't have the most definable traits in terms of cinema right like and and i think that that's why the films tend not to transcend we don't i mean we speak english so there isn't another you know there isn't a, a, a it doesn't sound british it doesn't sound australian well, it doesn't you know there's there's yeah sorry okay, okay. you guys
2: speak english right and i think that, that it's, <laughs> you, you guys you guys speak english as your first language you speak english with you know no accent or no no discernible accent do i, have, I a have more
3: accent
2: can you hear it no i have more of an accent than you do um you have, you guys have more of a neutral accent than my heavy new york accent <laughs> but uh but i i think it's interesting that at least half of those films were in the french language or inuit language i think you uh first nations language mm-hmm. um that you Canadian filmmakers are already at a detriment with within your own country. There is a, there is a bias against American I'm sorry, English speaking Canadian artists within the own, within your own country. That's yes. fucking crazy to me. <laughs>
3: yeah. I mean, it's, it's kind of for a long time, English Canadian cinema was considered bad. For all the reasons that you brought up, like this kind of idea that it's a low budget, the films don't look expensive. They don't seem like they're filmed like with any um, kind of Spielbergian gloss that like American audiences are used to. We, we don't recognize the actors. We don't have a Canadian star system. So you can't be like, oh, wow, Callum Keith Rennie's in this movie. I've
4: got to watch that. I love Callum Keith There are some big Callum Keith, Keith Rennie you know. fans.
2: But, I love Canada. I think this is the dumbest thing in the world. I think this is like <laughs> it's so upsetting. It's actually like weirdly upsetting to me that like we
3: all I'm like thinking, we feel so insecure. We're like, oh, you watched our mm-hmm. little movie. Thank you so much. I didn't it's know that- yeah. I, I went to
2: the i i I went to the Olympics in Calgary. No, not Calgary. In in uh Vancouver. Vancouver. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs>
4: uh, and, in, what year was that?
2: In it was 2000 and uh, was it 12 2012? It was like
4: 12.
2: I mean, I went with Laura, so so it had to be like 2010, something
4: like that. Uh, Chandler and I were actually just talking about how, even in Canadian circles, I mean, she just read a list of the top 10 quote unquote greatest Canadian films, and this film doesn't even register on that, which I find baffling. I I mean, this movie has,
3: I think the list gets updated every once in a while, and then things drop off.
4: But still, it's it's one of those films that I feel like um, I, I, I it seems to bad. have somehow fallen between the cracks. And it's, a it's not
2: that bad, yes. But to, you know, ten is small. Like if you did it yes, al- yes. Now, granted, Canada doesn't have you know the 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 depth breadth no. that that America has in terms of you know eight hundred films a year now. But you do a top ten of American films, maybe Schindler's List. Checks in, maybe like we're talking of no. recent
4: movies, yeah, yeah.
2: I'm talking of the last, I'm talking since like 1980. Yeah, yeah. Like, I, I, I maybe Ch- maybe Schindler's List, yeah, makes that list. Maybe There Will Be Blood makes that list. And I'm just talking about like, uh, I can't, I, I, so it's not super crazy to me that a fairly recent film didn't make it, however, yeah, it seems like five of those films are within the last. Twenty-five years. Correct.
4: So. Yeah. I I, I want to just uh, take a sec to talk about Cronenberg, who um, obviously is a is an enormous Canadian filmmaker in his own right, and has acted periodically from time to time. Um, I love David Cronenberg's acting. Fantastic. I, so I think he's a great he, actor. He's a great actor, but there's also something. <laughs> there's something very genuine and heartfelt about him, but he's also such an inherently creepy human so like (laughs) there's this dissonance going on of like he's a sweet guy and he's calling all of these people to say the gas company will continue to run for you know whatever but because he sounds like a serial killer on some level you're just sort of like there's this push and pull with him that i really love and sometimes he leans into it um you know, to to comedic effect with To Die For, uh, where he plays the person that uh, spoiler ultimately murders uh, Nicole Kidman at the end of To Die For, um, or in uh, uh, Alias, where he appears as a as a kooky scientist, where he kind of leans into the 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 persona of David Cronenberg. This is a really, I think it's a really tender performance in this movie. Um, yeah. You know, what did it what is. did you guys think of it?
3: I mean, um, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's such a specific, like, idiosyncratic character, and it's such a nice reveal that that's who Sandra O's husband is. Yep.
5: Um,
3: and um, yeah, it I mean, helpful. he's kind of like David Lynch. Like, he's just so singular, and like, yes. whoever he is as a performer, like, he just evokes his own universe. So,
5: mm-hmm.
3: and here it really, really works.
2: Or even um, we had Werner Herzog in Julian Donkey Boy, <laughs> oh, yeah. uh, who's unbelievable in He's this He's so film. good. So unlike himself wow. and so brilliant. Mm-hmm.
4: Mm-hmm. Yep. It's, it's really interesting when, di- I mean, directors don't act that often unless they are actor, writer, directors, or what have you. So when they do, obviously people take notice. But when they're really good actors, like I think Martin is a great actor. Oh like, yeah, I, I, I wish that he acted more. Is incredible.
3: Yeah, yeah. it's he's great.
2: It's such a um it it's such a blessing. I don't like not a blessing for us. It's a blessing of another filmmaker for a director to appear in their movie. Like yeah. I think Werner Herzog being in a Harmony Korine film uh, speaks volumes about what he thinks about Harmony Korine. Uh, just like this, I think, really says a lot about what Cronenberg thinks about Don McKellar. I'm you know the the dawn of Canadian filmmaking kind of blessing him this way. And you see it, you know, over and over and over again, it's a very cool thing. Um, yeah, I love it.
0: Hiring for your small business. If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals. You can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role.
1: Mm, Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.
4: I think it's, I think it's tremendous. And, and I, I even think, you know, the scene that, that, uh, that Cronenberg has when the guy walks into his house with the shotgun and oh it's so good it's so good because i mean first of all cronenberg is great in it but even just what he's saying like i'm not scared of you like i don't know i don't know what you think you're going to accomplish with this you're the one who is scared yeah you're the one who is scared
2: but that That's last great. one with just silhouettes stop it like you don't think this is a beautiful <laughs> movie like yeah yeah it yeah. just kicks the shit out of you
4: this it's time. really it's it's yeah it's great it's great um so i i i want to talk about sandra O. Oh who is tremendous in this movie um one of her earlier films in sort of you know in terms of a uh, size of role she she had a couple things before this um she is Tremendous in this movie. I would say that the the one thing that that we don't see much of in this performance is is her tremendous uh, comedic timing and her. I mean, like she's an unbelievably funny actress. This isn't a particularly funny role, um, but she's really, really wonderful in it. Um, Chandler, what did what did you think of of Sandra's performance? In oh yeah,
3: I mean, also incredible. Like at that time, I feel like most movies wouldn't have cast like an Asian woman in this part, you know? Correct. And um, I don't know if that's like a, I mean, obviously Sandra Oh is just like incredible. And if you have a chance to cast Sandra Oh in anything, cast her like immediately, she's extraordinary. But I think probably for audiences, it's is probably one of the first times that you've seen um, like an Asian leading lady in like a very, in like a, you know, romantic leading role, like, before that, she was more uh, doing small movies with, like, Mina Sham. I think that was one of her right. first parts. But, like, the maturity that she brings to this performance and, like, some of the line deliveries that she has. Totally. Like, totally. when she when she's at Don McKellar, like, is like, uh, yeah, okay, you know what? I thought about it. I don't want to sleep with you. But, like, you can stay the night. You can have your life. No, she's like, no, I want you to shoot me. <laughs> And her incredible delivery of that line—I mean, it's just like she has to do something that's, that's so hard—and she just anchors it with so much commitment and emotionality. And like th- that last scene is powerful mm-hmm. because of her. It's like the tears mm-hmm. that are coming out of her eyes. It's like the connection that she's with Her scene partner. It's like she elevates Don McKellar there, hundred percent.
2: Oh my well, god! The, yeah. Also, there's, there's yeah. she does a couple things. I mean, it's 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 written, but it could have been just disaster.
3: Absolutely.
2: Um, make me love you. I want to love you. I know. Uh, Disaster. Almost always. That kind of thing.
3: Absolutely. No. And it's so, so powerful. And it's like the first time I watched the movie, that's what made the hugest impression on me. It still, it still does.
2: And then, uh, how about not saying like, uh, You know, when the clock strikes zero, one, we shoot each other. You'll know, you'll know, you'll know, know, and it doesn't telegraph the moment. I really did think they were going to shoot each other, or we were going to cut to you know black or whatever before they did, or one you know Sopranos ish. But you'll know. I don't know, man. (laughs) It's the fucking boldest. Like I think, like we on this on this podcast we sometimes are very nitpicky because we don't like films and we're looking for reasons why we'd like it. Like the kind of bulletproof uh, explanations for why we don't like it. And I do have some nitpicky things in this movie, but they all just washed away by the end. I'm right. what
3: your nitpicky things are. Well,
2: my, I, so here's the thing. I watched it again. As I said, I watched it in two sittings. So I thought a lot in between the two sittings about the film. And I was really tantalized by the scene where sandra O oh goes to get the wine comes back with the wine her car has been put vertically somehow yeah. uh, and she opens the door and gets out the briefcase we don't know what the briefcase is mm-hmm. and that scene is so cool and evocative and fun and weird that i started thinking like i it's want more of a shot like
3: that it is like yeah. yes. the yes most- cinematic the movie gets other than the overture
2: streetcar which is incredible computer generated yeah. so I start thinking so you know you leave halfway through and that moment never leaves you and it never will leave you and it's the kind of thing that should be on you know one perfect shot fucking memes totally. for, the rest of, for the rest of existence mm-hmm. but I I did thinking like that's what I think I want out of this movie out of a Canadian you know apocalypse drama like I know that my Canadians could do quirk like, let's go there. <laughs> so I thought yes. I was getting more of that, but again, like that's that knit as I said, like that just washes away. Now that just that just becomes part of the fabric that just becomes one movement in a movie about so many different things. Like, we haven't even talked about the guy again. This speaks to my whole like you got to do something on the last night of, the year, uh, of your life. The guy who plays is like recital, it's yes. gorgeous. Yes. 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 Yeah. You know, Phil, that's like my idea for a show. Like this, like, thing. Like, I love that idea that, like, yeah, uh, uh, are you not going to do it because the world's ending? Yeah, just take your shot. It's yeah. it's literally now or never.
3: I also so, love, yeah. I was thinking about that too. I was like really impressed that he had like, you know, he had like 15, 20 people there. That's, that's yeah. The Some <laughs> people showed up. Yeah. again, like, yeah, like came after
2: as soon as he started playing and he was good yeah uh, i started thinking uh this is this is is this is about as lovely a way to to, to end my oh. life that i can think of like yeah. again so many great ways to to go out and so yeah. many you know you're going to go out no matter what and so many fine ways to go out. and and i'm not I, i'm very much not of the opinion that this is the end anyway so uh what a lovely way to go out. I love piano music. I love theaters. I love like that, that sense of calm. And I know some people get that from opera or ballet. I get that from like, you know, orchestral performances and it's, it's as good as it gets.
4: Well, I think it also speaks to, and you know, we've been talking about this you know throughout this episode, but it's worth sort of saying again, that, you know, Don McKellar sat down and said, you know what would people do on the last night of their lives as far as he's concerned and all of these are incredibly emotional intimate human things that are happening like there it, it which speaks to this film just understanding that the small things in life are the things that are to quote vanilla sky they're the biggest <laughs> like that that the little things are the things that really get us through, right? It's not, it's, it's not about some grandiose craziness. It's about what's, you know, it's about human connection. Um, And I think this movie beautifully does that and, and speaks to sort of, sorry, can I Uh, go ahead? uh,
2: No, at the risk of sounding like a contrarian asshole, (laughs) little things and big things are equal. Um, Okay. They're, they're all there. There's no, there's no such thing as a little thing or a big thing, right? They're all equal. So, you know planning for or trying to achieve some quote unquote "big moment uh has no more profundity than than sitting and being a, a an observer for a piano concert mm. uh i I think the 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 saddest character in the whole film, even sadder than the mom who is feeling something and feeling something's really good, even if it's feeling like betrayal or remorse or regret or whatever, uh was Sarah Polly? Yeah, Sarah Paul, she tried to make a moment of it and, like, yeah. oh, what a nightmare! <laughs> I mean, let's I see, love like, Sarah Pauly,
3: obviously. But her, yes. her boyfriend is like a cold blooded killer and just wants to murder people, essentially. He takes like, yeah. way too much pleasure in like hitting that person's yeah. head with a shovel.
1: Correct. And, like, yeah. yeah,
3: she's like, let's go to like, like, the party. Now, I swear it's gonna be so fun. And it's like, yeah. you know, that she just got back together with that guy like two months ago. And yeah the world's
4: ending may as well give it a yeah. shot there are a couple canadian things that did make me laugh just in sort of i mean first of all the reference to mel lastman square did make me go like the last place i'm gonna be on the last yeah. of the world or mel lastman square which is yeah. for uh, for kenny it's an area of toronto obviously um, is that where but, people go on new year's
3: they have like a big party and usually like that's where like Snow would play a free concert on years
4: everyone's favorite Canadian artist. Snow would play. My yeah. <laughs> last uh, yeah. <laughs> "Wait,
2: wait, is that like Informer?" Yes. yes. Oh, okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> totally,
4: totally valid. Go ahead. But, um, but the other thing was uh, the um, taking care of business was it? Oh, was yeah, not the oh, song I, was, song? I love that part. Funny.
3: Yes. <laughs> They would all be learning that that there was the dream of the, the biggest jam
2: people. session in that the history awesome. of the world.
3: Yeah, that was so great.
2: <laughs> Randy Bachman.
5: <laughs> Randy Bachman playing taking care of Bachman Turner playing.
4: Overdrive Canadian. It's incredible. Yeah, yes. I think so. Yeah.
5: Uh, yeah. It's even
4: Funnier yeah. if they weren't, but that's hilarious.
5: <laughs> yeah.
3: Randy Bachman was in the guest who it's, just, it's great.
4: Um, but yeah, so there's just very sort of niche. <laughs> taking care references. of business. <laughs> just it's
2: amazing i love the anchor's like it's a great song (laughs) (laughs) the anchor with the empty newsroom behind him my 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 one true hero of this film the guy like who is on the air at midnight uh as the
4: world's ending a great song Yeah, and thanking his buddy for, like, keeping the camera rolling. Yeah. Uh,
3: but that's the thing. You you do need those people. Like, I was thinking about this, too. I was like, there would be Uber drivers on The Last Night in the World. For sure. There would be, like, people, you know, selling you um, novelty ice creams. And, mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. people would be in a line, like, waiting for <laughs> some kind of fancy, like, society. Like, I guess that's what I was thinking when I was watching this. It's like, because it's The Last Night of the World, like, People are still thinking probably that about their relationships to capitalism stuff. People are probably still working. People are still trying to make money. The streetcar probably would be driving, you know. Yeah,
2: I think that I, I think that that I I think that capitalism would would win melt away day. in the end. No, I think no. <laughs> I, I, don't think a, I don't think there's I don't there's anything to win at that point, right? I think if money, yeah. you know, if you can't spend the money tomorrow, like that. When I thought when I thought the woman at the beginning who sleeps with Callum whatever his name is, okay. was... He's running. Yeah. Well, yeah, when I thought she was a sex worker, uh, that struck me as, I don't believe this because there's no money, there's no place to spend the money, but ultimately she wasn't. Yeah. So, uh, or at least there wasn't any money exchange. I don't actually right. know what what the situation was. Uh, I do think people would be, like, giving away their ice cream. I do think people mm-hmm. would be driving, driving their Ubers as a public service. I think that the gas would still be on. I think that people, I think that there are a lot of people who would see it as a responsibility to humanity to keep, you know, to keep quote unquote, keep the trains moving. But I don't think there would be money exchange.
3: But if I may, I mean, I think this pandemic has kind of showed that that's the opposite case really. And as like,
2: but I think there's a tomorrow in this one. I think everyone always thought there'd be tomorrow.
3: Potentially, but like, I I don't know. I I mean, it's like, look how much of different social systems it's it's tried to erode and like capitalism has like always won and how many people have been um taken out of their homes and how many people have lost their jobs and how it's the pandemic has really failed essential workers and so many yeah. people that it's it's sacrificed it's
5: yeah. at the No hands I, I, of
2: life. I I think as long as the as the earth is continuing, capitalism uh will win the day and yeah I I I, I yeah not always. Uh, this is a much bigger, this is a much bigger topic. But in a capitalist society, until there's you know real structural change, I, I think it's going to always kind of you know
4: M- money money talks win and out. bullshit walks. As as uh, so, I mean, I
2: think it's easier to oppress in a situation like this. I think it's easier to take advantage of people in a situation like this. And I think that people at the top. Um, had a real good feeling borne out by statistics uh, and access that they were going to survive this. And that it was worth, um, you know, calling it, calling in all their markers uh, when people were
4: at their most vulnerable. Which is gross and terrible.
2: Well, which is, which Mm. is is what wound up happening. It wasn't, but I would also say it wasn't what was happening in the beginning. In the no. be, in the beginning, debts were being excused. In the beginning, rent was being um,
4: you know correct
2: ignored, and people were having just a little a no. more grace. Yeah, well, yeah. just having grace. There is a certain level of grace for a little bit. But. Sure, sure.
4: Um, I want to talk about the Callum Keith Rennie character for a second because it's sort of mm-hmm. the last one that we haven't we haven't really talked about. Um, you know, I think it's a great performance, and and I I think what this film does pretty well is actually hide the ball on a bunch of characters. So we're yeah. a little unsure as to what's transpiring until, you know, the reveals, which I think is quite well done. Um, I didn't remember Callum Keith Rennie's reveal, if you will. So I was sort of like, this guy just, okay, I guess he's just going to have sex a bunch because that's just whatever. Um and you, you
2: you didn't remember the the room of sexual positions.
4: I didn't remember the kitchen scrawled with different uh, ways of having sex it, with people, and I, what that haunted
3: you. me when I first saw it in high school. I was like, I, oh I'm my sure God.
4: <laughs> you're like, does every guy do this? <laughs> but I but I do think that yeah, we
2: do. Um, I, I, that was that was dead on. <laughs> I, mine is in, mine why Mine is, is
0: the most
3: important movie you've ever seen yes
2: mine is in a kitchen mine is in a kitchen mine is a word doc
4: but <laughs> sure, sure i i i I'm, think it's I'm, interesting i'm kidding they, deeply <laughs> well I, you I never know i want to just i actually uh, think
2: i actually think that that's i actually think that the that's the whole point of this character that it's not obvious that guy's Aren't like that. I think the whole point sure, of this sure. character is that there's an expectation that a lot of guys are like that. So mm-hmm. I i think that that's you know kind of the, the, at least to me where a lot of the, the relevant the, a lot of the relevance of this character comes
4: from. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. I think that you know it's a character that. I would say that of all the characters in this film, this is the one that I think would probably be the worst if the movie was made today. Like, I think it'd be just the most bro-y, the most sort of, like, I just... This character could have been executed really poorly, and I think that there is... The scene he has with um, Don McKellar is a a phenomenal scene. It's a great Um, scene, yeah. it's, It's a great scene because... It at least to me sort of it gave some depth to a character that could have just been seen as like a dude that just, you know, wanted to have lots of sex before the world was over. But instead, like it's kind of his love language. <laughs> like that, you know what I mean? Like that that it's sort of his way of trying to kind of um his
2: coping mechanism.
4: His coping mechanism, yeah, Yeah, exactly. It's It's his way way of (laughs) of articulating his feelings for Don McKellar and and the past that they've had. And, sorry, go ahead, Shannon.
3: Oh, and just, I think, just, like, having some kind of physical connection and, like, source Mm -hmm. of intimacy if you don't have anybody to love. And, I mean, what he's doing, like, that first scene where he's, like, negotiating with this woman at a party and he's saying that, like, he met her and he wanted to, like, Sleep with her, she's so attractive, but really it's because he's never had sex with a black woman before, and mm-hmm. you know, um, and she's being fetishized and like tokenized, and it's really, uh, really wrong. But then also, she's like, I just want to have an orgasm today. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
4: And, I mean I, and then when he, he he brings his his old French teacher yes. uh, to his house madame carlton and then um, getting
3: to like fill you know canadian language requirements there's also some yes. awkward
5: speaking french but
3: beaucoup de dessins dans le architecture <laughs>
4: <laughs> it's a great scene um the first of all the first scene with um with greg and and her where we sort of suss out their relationship as she talks about you know oh what it's a,
3: amazing it's what, so what a amazing.
4: yeah good man he's grown into and it's yeah. just a whole it's it's great it's great
3: all those scenes are so well written and you're right they could be like totally in the hands of a lesser like more yep. less sensitive less ac- acutely um mm-hmm understanding writer like i think they could and director because like you can write something but then the direction can totally take it to the wrong place they're so perfectly calibrated um and especially i want to say like the last thing with with tracy wright who's Mm -hmm. don mckeller's like longtime partner and um an incredible actor like she's so she's one of my favorite actors of all time and she's so good in um so many Canadian movies, but also she has like the most incredible uh, performance in Me You and Everyone You Know.
4: She's so good in that. The last <laughs> scene with the little boy
3: <laughs> on the bench. The yeah, best. The best. she's just yeah. miraculous. Um, and and they had such a powerful relationship together. And I just I just love Tracy Wright so much. And she'll always be like my favorite Canadian actress. And it's so sad that she died of cancer. Yeah. she's just wonderful. She's
4: she's tremendous in this. Um, and and she's. I guess the he the last woman that he has sex with and she's a virgin and um mm-hmm. there there's a I, I wanna just rewind real quick to the to Madame Carlton scene. I love when she says bon voyage before the doors I know close, which is again fantastic. a
3: masterful delivery of that line. Like again, that could be yes. like you just yes. you know, they're very tricky scenes. I'm really in yeah. awe of him as a director of how he managed to like nail the tone in sort of the what you're saying, this kind of bittersweet line yeah. between comedy and drama, but it's also an apocalypse movie, but it's so grounded.
4: It's, yeah. this is maybe of any film that we've covered so far. This is the type of film, Kenny, that this script, if given to somebody else, I'm pretty much convinced wouldn't work. Like, I, I don't know that you could like to, to Chandler's that the calibration that Don McKellar is finding. Cause I think that so many lines, so many scenes in this movie um, could have fallen flat. Well, could have been treacly. Could have been shitty. Anyway, yeah.
3: And for have your you first feature, like that amount of pressure, and yeah, you know, yeah. that's two point five million Canadian dollars. No <laughs> one gets budgets like that in Canada. You're basically making <laughs> a blockbuster.
2: <laughs> have you, you have you guys seen? Uh, I think it's called Searching for a Friend for the End of the World. Yes. Oh, I was thinking
3: about that in this context. It's the same mm-hmm. woman who made Hustlers, right? Yeah,
4: Lorraine mm-hmm. Scapariero. So,
2: uh, yeah, uh, that movie stinks,
4: and <laughs> uh, I, I don't like that movie. I <laughs> haven't reason, seen it,
2: and part of the reason it stinks, certainly in contrast to this. Though I love the, you know, I heard about this film, and uh, I'm talking about it last night, and I mm-hmm. love the concept of um, end of the world movies that aren't about somehow staving off the end of the world. Yeah. Totally down with a good, like, let's, you know, save the world. But I'm also down with, you know, those, you know, terrestrial stories about the, you know, seven billion other of us who aren't capable of saving the world and, and, and how we would deal with that. Sure. So, uh, searching for a friend for the end of the world is, uh, it's an overt romance. Now, uh, it, it's, it's obvious from the moment this movie starts that that's what they're going for. This film last night, to me, I did not expect these two mm-hmm. to fall for each other. Yeah. And speaking of film you'd mentioned earlier about hiding the ball on a lot of the characters, hiding the ball in that story is part of what's so powerful here. It's totally. part of what there is no there, there is no internal stress that you're feeling during a romantic comedy, particularly one with like Keira Knightley and fucking Steve Carell, Steve Carell. <laughs> uh, where you you. You have you you worry about what this moment and, and are they gonna kiss and how is this gonna feel and is this gonna work? It's not what happened during this movie. It was so natural and organic and beautiful and totally. lovely that that that's why I think this film works where other films like it fail. I think um yeah, I think that's I
4: I I, mean, I, I, I absolutely agree. I, I think that it's I mean, it's just you know i'm i'm eating my words a little bit from earlier when i was saying you know um that the movie wasn't trying to make it wasn't trying to change your world i think that this movie deceptively seems deceptively simple um and that there is an ocean of depth to it and and yeah. so much of it has to do with little moments like like what you just said chandler you know this moment of her saying bon voyage is delivered so perfectly with this With a little bit of a twinkle, but also this sort of like gallows humor and sadness, and like it's 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 amazing the punch that he's able to pull out of things that feel um, very simple. I I
3: think I'm sorry that too. Like it's kind of like the actual scene is like you're a teacher, you just had sex with one of your former students. It's the last (laughs) day of your life. You're not surrounded by any friends or family members. You've decided that after this, you're going to go to another student's piano I'm
4: <laughs> just going to say, Madam Carlton, by the way, kind of has it all figured out. She might have oh, had no. the best last night. Not convinced of that, but
3: okay. <laughs> also, I think of all the sex that he had, it was probably the best with Madame
2: Carlton. It was the sexiest. Right? Of course, right. of oh, course, because well. there's at least some connection there. But oh, <laughs> I, what, what I was getting at yes, was, sir. and I, I lost my train, but what I was getting at was—it was, it was about the tone of the film. Mm-hmm. most filmmakers i think are too shy and insecure to make a straight ahead romance that's why right. we have so few straight ahead romances and so many romantic comedies because at least with the comedy you can take the piss out of the romance a little bit totally and you're not so nakedly vulnerable when you're like this mm-hmm. is about two people falling in love which is yep. like a really fucking frightening story to tell because everyone falls in love differently, and are these two right for each other? But with the comedy, it's it, it's like taking a spoonful of sugar.
5: Mm-hmm.
2: I think it, this is where I was trying to get it. I think if you made this more of a straight-ahead romance, you also would have had to, or you wouldn't have had to. I think most filmmakers would have uh, felt the need to up the quirk factor, or up the comedy, or sure, up sure. The, it, the silliness, mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. up something that didn't make you feel so embarrassed for yourselves totally. and the two characters watching them so nakedly and vulnerably falling in love. Cause that's what it is. There's a level of embarrassment when you're watching a real deal romance, like the before series, for instance, the before series has to be so perfect. Oh yeah. Otherwise you're embarrassed <laughs> being there, right? You're embarrassed watching <laughs> these characters having these conversations. Yeah, yeah. If it's not, if it's not, perfect so i think by again hiding this romance and i think this movie is care is, is is the genre is is romance i think they, they consider this as a romance but yeah. by hiding the romance until literally <laughs> the, last the last frame you yeah. don't have to up the quirk and the comedy which would have murdered the rest of this movie
5: totally. it
2: would have murdered this film if every bit had to be tinged with a little bit of
4: a little dollop of You'd stupidity see what I do. yeah
3: yeah. well I, I heard I, that your yeah, right is like a huge fan of it Last Night and this is actually one of his favorite movies and that's why he asked Don McKellar to play the director in Scott Pilgrim oh
5: that's awesome yeah.
4: um, and now his next movie is called Last Night isn't it?
5: Last yeah. Night in Soho uh-huh. he's telling to be honest but the love story uh, i think yeah, edgar wright,
2: wright is, yeah. is often embarrassed by the stories he's telling and uh sometimes it works like i think scott program is a total fucking triumph um but sometimes i i don't like a lot of his movies i don't like the uh the the, the coronet trilogy trilogy okay mm-hmm. i th- uh i i think they're i think they're like embarrassed by the stories they're telling um and i think baby driver uh is a little I don't embarrassed like selling too yeah. so um
4: yeah i'm, I'm I, curious I, to see what his new one is uh if for no other reason than it feels like hopefully he's um doing something new and you know hopefully stretching I his think legs it's and
3: probably sounds like it's more like a dario argento kind of movie like,
4: oh yeah. a scary
2: movie
3: yeah like a real actual um, straight up
2: I love scary movies. I think I the 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 thing I love about Scott Pilgrim is uh, it's so sincere, and all the all all of the you know bells and whistles exist only Mm -hmm. to serve that sincerity. Totally. So you know
3: why it's so sincere? Because it's set in Toronto. Because it's Canadian. <laughs> it's Canadian.
4: Um, I, I wanted, there's a great line that, that Craig has, because at this point in the film, um, Sandra and Patrick, Sandra's looking for a car. Um, so uh, Patrick goes over to Craig's and asks to borrow his car, um, and and Craig doesn't want to, and says, I wanted to die a man with three cars. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's a good
5: line. It's just, yeah, and, and so it's, so like, it's got...
4: Yeah, it's like, then I'm just a guy with two cars, and that's just yeah. a guy with two cars. Like, I wanted a collection, and it's not a collection oh, yeah. unless I have three. <laughs>
3: that is such a cool card, too. I love the line where he, like, after he propositions Don McKellar's character for to have yeah. sex, and he's like, just don't think I could handle having bad sex. Today.
5: <laughs> it's <I> mean, <laughs> I don't literally want to like
3: that on my mind. Like, I know I'll be thinking <laughs> about it. In show.
2: I, like I mean, perhaps he also kind of does at the end of the movie. Right, like yeah, that's kind yeah. of bad sex that he has at the end of the movie,
4: well, he yeah, he fails, and then hopefully kind of I don't know, hopefully, right, <laughs> hopefully, hopefully, <laughs> um, but you're yeah it's it's a great line that the doiciller has because I, I I imagine that like. You know there's anxiety that comes with with sex, and like why would anybody want to bring that into their lives if they are an anxious person in that in that regard uh this does bring me to another line that I like uh that Craig and Patrick have in the kitchen when Craig says, if you gotta go, Patrick's like you might as well be coming, which yeah. is i mean uh is. The, the, the writing on the walls we don't get to see all of it but we see enough of it for it to make quite the impact oh
3: yeah um, like whoa bestiality is not on here he's like no i mean it's gotta be things i'm into like
4: <laughs> it's like you're into a lot of shit dude like bestiality <laughs> doesn't seem that far but yeah it, it's a it's a pretty uh from, from you know the, the movie is not particularly we've, we've talked about there's a couple visuals that definitely stick with you that kitchen stays with you because of the way it's art directed and it, it looks like something at a seven <laughs>
3: okay. yes yeah that was a choice with the <laughs> bypass and everything it's very david fincher kitchen
4: and like it's just it's scrawled on the walls it looks like it's just it looks crazy like it really is just an intense piece of art direction
3: but think of how insane you were going during the pandemic now think <laughs> of that with the context that the world is ending and this
4: is, the yeah, end. Like, Oh it's believable. Yeah. It's just, yeah, it's just, it's just a lot. Um, yeah, I, I, I want to just talk for a second a little bit more about the, um, the the Patrick and Craig scene when Craig propositions him because, um, they do kiss and it, it's, <laughs> it's part a good of it kiss. is, it is, it's, it's a good kiss. It's also just the way that Don McKellar tries to extricate himself from the kiss and then for them to, for they don't try to put on this like bravado of like masculinity after it either as I imagine again another director might very well have tried to sort of undercut the scene with them kind of trying to be like men's men afterwards. Well or they what do have he
3: calls him like a fag and
4: he does unfortunately which is yeah. not great. Um well, uh, I
2: I, th- yeah. I I think it would be almost the other way today Phil where we where- maybe not today even i think it would be almost the other way almost ever where it was made a like a much bigger moment than it than it is right right like the the kind of the cool thing about it is it's a moment but it's not a fucking life-changing moment it's not like you know it's not like what was that movie billy someone's first on-screen kiss it wasn't like this big like I've had my big gay moment it, there right, was, right, it, was, right. it was a very specific thing that happened at, at a specific moment between two people at the end of the world and uh I wouldn't get too caught up in them using you know the f word like that it's that's a real nineteen ninety eight and that yeah, was yes, a, for sure. yes. that yeah that was that that was a, that was that was certainly not like uh a homophobic barb at that you no know, not the oh, U- yes, thing no, yeah. I want to make this clear to to people who haven't watched it. But
4: yes, 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 that was I. I also that was a just bad like, joke
2: amongst friends.
4: Yeah, I, I, I to to underscore what you're saying, Kenny, which I agree with, um, and and is sort of so much emblematic of the film, which is that like they don't make a big deal out of this kiss, they don't make a giant deal out of this thing. Um, it's a nice moment between these two guys that has just a you know a. Um, a lot of subtext to it, and then I love that the scene just ends with Calum Keith Rennie just like sitting on, just kind of sitting there. Just he sits down next to. It looks like there's like a fireplace or something like that in the in the lobby or the the foyer of his building. Um, I like that this movie kind of holds in moments and lets you kind of sit in a moment. It doesn't, you know, it's it's not um, it's not in a hurry to do things, um, which I appreciate about it as well. I would say that that might be emblematic of. Canadian cinema don't tend to be in a hurry. Uh, our movies don't tend to be particularly kinetic. Um, they're 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 soft spoken to a certain degree. I don't know. Um,
3: I mean, Denis Villeneuve isn't like that. There are lots of exceptions. To it,
4: but but well, that's interesting. I don't know. I think that Denis Villeneuve sits in scenes perhaps too long and certainly yes. sits in in moments and silences his movies some might argue are too long in general um he's not a kinetic filmmaker is kind of what i'm getting at he's there's there's a there's a there's a uh visual poetry to his movies which i quite like but i guess I it's like it.
3: more like there's an energy and an intensity to yes the yes visuals and the sound design and the way that oh for sure for sure
4: i mean prisoners and sicario are fucking exhausting movies emotionally, like they're putting you through the ringer for sure.
3: Yeah, or even Insomni or Yeah, like
5: this earlier said.
4: Sure. Um, so basically we're now, we're, we're essentially at the end of the film. Sandra tries to find her husband, aka David Cronenberg, can't reconnect with him, sort of kind of crosses paths with Sarah Pauly's boyfriend at this end of the world party. Uh, Sandra decides to go back to Patrick's and Patrick chooses to let her in, um, knowing that you know most likely they're going to be together for for the end of the world. Even though he's at this point, up to this point, has chosen to be alone. Um, and as you guys mentioned, there's a, a tremendous scene where the clock is ticking, and they basically need to learn as much as they possibly can about each other before the end of the world, in the hopes of um, uh, I don't, I mean, feeling an emotional connection and feeling as though they know the person says, "Tell me something to make me love you." Um, yeah, you said it best, Kenny. I mean, a, a, an absolute landmine of a of a line. Like most people, just step on that thing and get blown up. So it's it's Sandra O oh is just a tremendous actor to be able to navigate a line like that and deliver it. You know, it's
2: it's also uh, I almost I almost say this hesitantly because I think it kind of undercuts a lot of what I said about. You know my feelings about this this premise mm. it is the the closest thing I think Don Keller has to a this is what you should do at the end of the world. you should right. uh embrace love right right you should embrace love your ability to love and and being loved in return, much like you know Mulan the and the other greatest
4: film ever made the other
2: greatest film ever made <laughs> and uh <laughs> Which is about the exact same thing and done in the exact opposite <laughs> style. Um not be more style. But, but there, I don't
3: think there's two different kinds of directors.
2: No. Uh, except they except they have the exact same feelings on life. But I think <laughs> that's that I think I I think there there's almost a clarity that washes over her
5: mm-hmm.
2: in that last moment where where, you know, I, I, I got I really, really I, I almost wish I can go higher on my score, but I can't because I'm gonna be really high. It really is but,
3: one of the most romantic things i've ever seen in a movie. It, it's
4: it's un, like, it, shouldn't they,
3: be. it shouldn't be it's literally a you spend yeah. the last night with a stranger you just met who tried and failed to help you get to reunite with your husband who's been murdered imagine if she came home and saw poor david cronenberg that way that would have been the worst possible way to spend in right way, she's with the person that she's meant to be with in that moment that can like and what you said too about this idea that um there's people that help you recognize your own capacity for love and feeling. And even if they're not the people that, you know, can give it back to you or, or that can really recognize it in themselves, they help you understand what love is. It's really, really beautiful idea. And um, I think
4: I, I also, I I agree with everything everyone's saying here, but I also love that like right beforehand, Patrick says, let's go to the can and make last phone calls. Oh yeah. (laughs) You know what I mean? Where it's like, at least like, they know he knows how to bring it down he knows how to bring it to a place where um and and i mean so patrick and, and sandra both sit on the roof facing each other listening to the song one time
3: which has never sounded more beautiful or yeah. right. in my entire life like it's such a strange choice yes. but it's so perfect perfect it's, sublime. it's utterly amazing
4: because he, he references it earlier, and it's a joke earlier almost, right? Yeah. When he's talking about it. And now it's fucking heartbreaking. Like, it's just this gorgeous thing. Like, and, and in the final seconds, basically both characters are overcome with emotion, simultaneously let their pistol slip away as they slowly embrace in a kiss. Uh, and it goes, and it blows out to white.
2: I, I It's, again, everything about this movie's perfect. The use of Guantanamo it's shocking, and it's such it, it's 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 such a beautiful little filmic trick yep. because he spends all this time. Don McKeller's character, uh, who I don't think we even named, what's his name? Patrick. Patrick, Patrick you guys said it the whole time. I haven't. Um, <laughs> Patrick spends some time trying to figure out what he's going to listen to at the end of the world. Yes, but he, but but Don McKeller, the director. Had already incepted you with the perfect <laughs> song.
5: It,
2: Guantanamera is not "Fucking Stairway to Heaven," which is probably the right song, right? Like it's not That's any. Song. What's that? It's, it's love. It's, it's, it's not anyone. It yeah, Guantanamera yeah, is not right. any. It's not anybody's idea of the last song you want to listen to. If you weren't incepted, I don't know if you guys watch like, like me, like like a uh, dork, watch videos about mentalists and the way in which they get you to you know, the way in which they read your thoughts. But it's, oh. all be, it's all because they earlier in your conversation trick you in a way that you were going to have those thoughts. You were going to have those thoughts anyway, right? Like, because they have already incepted you with these ideas.
3: Like That's what... Artist. What's that? Like a pickup artist.
2: Yes, yes. Like, yes. yes. That's what uh, Don McKellar does with Guantanamera. Where yes. when he starts playing that song, you're like, oh, of course... Of course, Guantanamera But you are—you're like this. Is just this feels so right. we <laughs> been you, searching the whole. You've been searching the whole movie for the perfect soundtrack. He fucking—it's—it's—it's it's, it's so unbelievably brilliant. Like it's so shockingly brilliant. What he what, what he has done with this film? I I am I I somehow like it more than when I came in, and I called it my favorite film of all time <laughs> when I started the podcast. It's yeah, it is easy. Yeah, it, 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 it is more bulletproof than I thought.
4: It's one of those movies where um, I mean, I've truly only seen it probably once before. And the power of this final moments is is unbelievable. Like it's 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 the type of movie where you're barreling towards a conclusion, right? Which is that the world is gonna end at the end of this film, right? So you know that that's coming. Um and yet you're completely unprepared for this ending.
3: Yes. Well, it's like death, right? I
4: yeah. mean,
3: <laughs> we know it's coming, but we're completely unprepared for it. It takes you by surprise every single time. It's profoundly <laughs> shocking, and yet you have to accept it. And um, while you're alive, you true. have to find a way to make your life meaningful. And it's probably not going to be the things that you think yeah. that are going to give it value.
4: Mm-hmm. No, I, 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 could, I couldn't. Couldn't have put it better myself. Um, <laughs> the other I, I th- wish that we could play One Ton of Mare at the end of the episode. The other point I would make I about
2: this is uh, the re- part of the reason I love Sandra O's Make Me Love You moment so much is because uh, it does have a... All right. Patrick, throughout most of this movie, is not particularly lovable. We don't know why he's not lovable. We don't know it until the end. I, I, I'm weird. very happy I did not read that. Uh, Google that google description before because i didn't know he was a widower, right and i didn't know when when she when sandro essentially says did she die or run away it's obvious not to me it wasn't obvious i don't know um so what that moment says to me Mm -hmm. is it's a very big-hearted moment where it says uh you could find something to love about anybody and if we are a little less judgmental, a little more open-minded, we ask the right questions. We allow ourselves to be generous and, you know, in spirit, generous in terms of, you know, the things about other people we find beautiful um, or relatable or inspiring. You know, I, I mean, I, 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 I feel very cheesy saying stuff like this, but also I feel like this is true. We all have inspiring stories. We've all made it, you know, here um good things have happened bad things have happened and 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 the fact that you know she says say something that makes me love you wasn't a it wasn't a challenge it was just find the thing you have it you all have it find the thing um so i i i can't get over what i can't get over what a how how from the moment with uh with David Cronenberg saying you're the one who's You're the one who's afraid Where I was the one who was afraid That this was going to be a, particularly, a particular Kind of movie yeah. I.e. a bad one right? I.e. one, i.e. one that, that, that says the worst about humanity and, and has really a really pessimistic view About the way we would act at the end of the world To the end of the movie It is just, just The most powerful thing I think I have ever seen So there
4: you go Wow. Well, uh, we should rate this movie on this note um, because I'm curious, Chandler, um, to hear your thoughts on what we're covering next week. I'm not sure if you've seen it before, but I'm curious.
2: Um, So, What is is, is it like? Like Elmo's movie or some shit? (laughs) It's not. (laughs) Um, There is an
4: Elmo's film that we haven't
2: done. There is an Elmo's film. Adventures in Elmo. It's Elmo's Adventures
4: in Grouchland. uh,
2: Elmo's Adventures in Grouchland.
4: uh, (laughs) That's what we're doing, Chandler. What do you think? We're not <laughs> doing. We're not doing that. Very <laughs> um, so, in 1999, when I saw this film, or 98, when I saw this film, um, I, I think I quite liked it. I think it made an impression on me, but I can't say that. I mean, I think I was. I mean, I was 19, 18 or 19 years old, and I, I imagine that I was probably pretty snooty about it. And uh, you know, Canadian cinema, all of that. I think I, I liked it a lot. I gave it an 80, probably. I think that's what I probably liked it back then at watching it before this podcast though um, I was at a 90 um, like I it really just it it really hit me hard and now talking about it I'm at a 95 like I think it's I really do think it's a, a, a it's just a really it, it just it you know it, it did everything that a movie's supposed to do. It 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 made me sort of reevaluate the human condition. It made me think about the world that we live in right now. It made me th- obviously think about the pandemic. It made me think about home. It made me homesick. Like it 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 just um yeah. It just really really worked for me. I I, I really loved it. What about you, Kenny? I know you. We didn't, uh,
2: even, we didn't even discuss the <laughs> pandemic that much, like barely. And and you know obviously it has newfound resonance.
3: Yeah, I mean, I've been in those, like, when the pandemic first started in Toronto, I remember taking a streetcar to, like, an empty streetcar to, like, the end of the the city and just, like, walking around the water treatment plant by myself just for, like, something to do. And there Mm -hmm. were these really heavy, like, dystopian moments like that. Like, I'd never seen, like, just empty streetcars going by or like no one on the street or like all these boarded up stores or going to like, you know, shoppers drug marts and seeing all the paper and empty shelves and like people like in their windows, like looking outside, you know, going for these night walks with trying not to cross people on the street.
2: The thing about, I'm, I'm, I'm happy we didn't talk about the pandemic that much because the truth is, in light of our current situation i think more people would be more uh would be more likely to like really love this movie and really feel mm-hmm. this movie because it does speak to what we're going through now yeah. for me it has almost nothing to do with it right
5: yeah.
2: like for me it's like it it's just it's a cherry on top that he happened to almost perfectly kind of you know predict our last year and a half
3: Except just like the cool because it's this is all about going towards people and being with your friends and family yeah. members and yeah, 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 yeah on with like hundreds of people, you yeah. know, going crazy and rioting. Like uh, imagine true. the end of the world, but you can't even be close to anybody.
2: But they were still, you know, we had our riots, we had our crazy shit. Like this last year and a half has been wild. wild. But this movie, yeah, this movie's an. You're right. It's like an anecdote. It, it's like an anecdote to that. um or an antidote. It's more right. like an antidote. It's more like an antidote than an
4: antidote. <laughs> uh, okay, so... Uh, didn't see this in 99. Uh, didn't know this movie existed. Didn't see
2: this anymore. in 99. <laughs> didn't know this existed. Was kind of excited to see it. Not really. Um, <laughs> uh, not I, 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 so I, I vacillated a little bit with my final score. Mm-hmm. Uh, I started at a 98 I went down to a 96. Uh, and then uh, I woke up the next day and I said, fuck it. It's just, it's a 98 for me. Like, this is so good. I, I said, love it. I, I said, I mean, I mean, it's a 98. <laughs> I said, this movie is so powerful and so poignant that, and I've said some stuff during the podcast, that any nitpicky things that I've had had melted away entirely in the final act, a brilliant, devastatingly beautiful final act, a triumphant final act, bewilderingly be- beautiful, truly oh. might be my favorite film we've done yet. Uh, it's a ninety nine. I went up as high as wow. I can go. It, I think it is my favorite film we've done. Wow. We haven't done my two favorite films going into this. Correct. Malkovich and Magnolia. Uh this is like Magnolia at half the running time for me. <laughs> um, it, 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 is, it is.
3: It's it, like it is oh, the, it, because Magnolia has the frogs and everything. Yeah, too. Yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah. It is like Magnolia at like half the lean- running time
3: lean canadian magnolia
2: yeah it's like a lean canadian magnolia it's, it's yeah it, which is great it's it and is, it is
3: kind of like the magnolia of canadian celebrities if you know that's it, true oh, too the magnolia yeah. canadian celebrities yeah. and yeah. keith Rennie is our tom cruise Dom is that true <laughs> he might Hiya. be
2: he might be he's not he's watching. very handsome he's very handsome Yeah. That's amazing. Uh, I never thought about so
3: it that way, generally. I uh, <laughs> Oh, like she's Julianne Moore,
2: you know, level. Sure. The, Sandro is incredible. It's the best performance I've seen her give, in the best female performance of this year, without question for me. Um, and uh, I guess I, I, it'll be interesting when we do Magnolia. Mm -hmm. which over the course of this year in retrospect has become my favorite film of this year. We talk about it a lot more than we talk about being John Malkovich and being John Malkovich almost means nothing to me at this point. I don't even think it's my favorite Spike Jonze film or my favorite Charlie Kaufman, Charlie Kaufman film at this point. Like I think it's third for me, right? I think eternal sunshine and adaptation, I like more at this point. Right. Okay. So all that Goes a long way of saying I expect this to kind of be this or Magnolia to be my favorite film going into the end of this year. I I it's very weird seeing a movie you love this much at this age. Like it's fucking sure. bizarre. I think people are like are, are are very hesitant to say that when they see it. I, it's almost impossible. I haven't seen a movie I like this much since the social network. Like that's the last I time I can remember man. being like <laughs> Being like this is just a film that like will forever be a part of me, and like Parasite maybe, and Moonlight maybe, sure, but sure. like no, like just no. This is this is.
4: You'll this never is hear Juan Tamara the same again.
2: This is the this is the the best first watch I've had in forever. This is the my favorite viewing experience. I almost watched it again last night with Laura just to like expl- sure. help her like understand. I, I explained sure. the entire plot to her <laughs> wow. on, on on text. Cool. A moment after the movie, like I, because I'm downstairs, she's upstairs. I, I should read the text. I'm gonna read the text I sent to you. Read the text, and because, oh because it's this late in the podcast, my parents are definitely not still listening anymore. So
5: <laughs>
2: this is this is this is this is an attempt to give you an understanding of like why I'm being so effusive when it comes to this film, because like, I mean, obviously I text with my wife all day, but uh, so this is the, this is fucking Sunday night, but. I'm I'm good. All right, so, all right, here I go. Here I go. Wow, are you guys ready?
4: Oh, I'm I'm ready.
2: This movie I'm watching just turned incredibly profound and reminded me a ton of me. It's a brilliant movie. It's called <laughs> Last Night. <laughs> Point is, you're the only one I care about, and this is ex- and uh, that's a fan. Way, right? so that's a different thing. She told me about a dream she had in the mean in the middle of it. So there's some things that are happening. <laughs> all right you're the only one i care about uh i can tell you better you can watch it's the last night all right so she had tell me about it I said, it's the last night of world uh, the last night on earth the world's gonna end at midnight we follow this one guy who seems pretty melancholy We meet his family and they're all over him it's like my family so passive aggressive bordering on me clearly obsessed with him he isn't going to spend the last minutes with him he befriends sandra O, oh and they become friendly she has her own shit but basically it started to occur to me that if the world was ending i wouldn't care as much uh, I wouldn't care that much if I were him because I don't really care that much about most people and then she said and then she says tell me about the girl you lost she died right it's pretty obvious and he says yes and kind of breaks down and says you'd have to meet my family understand but she showed me how to love and it. it turns out I have uh, a lot of love to give which well that's me and then uh, he starts about how she died and I started thinking about you she just texted me in the middle of this so I have to go all the way back <laughs> Hold on, hold on. I got all right. So I started thinking technology, about technology, guys. You know, I know. Technology. Uh, okay. So I'm sure it's
4: somewhere,
2: all right. All right? Yeah. This this I love it. All right. Which that's me. Oh, I started thinking about you. If you die, the world might as well end too. I'd probably want it to end. Uh, it would seem fitting in a way, not kill myself, just that it all should end. So that's why I'm so profoundly affected by this. And I think it explained my life. I hope that's not too intense, but we're married. <laughs> and, <laughs> Uh and then I think I texted her later or talked to her later. Um what did she
5: text back? Well,
4: yeah, did she, she just te- did she just what say she like text cool. back?
5: She,
2: she texted <laughs> back so sad she texted back, well that's very sweet. Oh. Uh and then we have other things because then I think I talked more <laughs> about it later. <laughs> uh or maybe I talked to her in person about it. But um, I mean, I, I think it's
4: I, I mean We've been doing this podcast for a while, Kenny, and I and I have to say that it, it the power of cinema, you know, like power we, of cinema, the, the, it really is. We we've been doing this for a while, and these movies hit us in all sorts of different ways, and um, it's just wonderful that that you know that I've watched movies that I've never seen before. You've watched movies that Dude. you've never seen before, and it just it can just absolutely blindside you. It's amazing.
2: Before I ask Chandler for a score, I'm going to yeah, say one you. last thing. Uh, I have kind of, I mean, I love doing this podcast, yeah. but it has made me um, a, a, a very much outside member of this thing called Film Twitter. And uh, what Film Twitter has done to me and what Film Twitter has done to us yeah. is it has taken us all, because most people in film, you know, in and around or whatever you would call Film Twitter – are either filmmakers or critics, or aspiring filmmakers or aspiring critics, or film journalists, or people who think about film uh, beyond uh, what ha- the, b- outside of what made us love film in the beginning. I didn't love film growing up because I, I admired a certain shot or a certain you know plot mechanic or or a plot mechanism or anything like that. I loved it because of the way it made me feel, and sometimes we uh, we lose sight of that. And when you and I feel we watch, you know, three to four films a week for this podcast, we watch films for our own writing, we watch films for our own alleged pleasure, but all I really do is fucking analyze them. Um, you, you get, you, 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 you very much lose sight of like what you loved about film mm-hmm. and what this did was actually break through all of that bullshit. That I'm always doing, like where I'm watching films or movies or television shows, like a coach and stopping it and explaining it to someone uh, and actually let me like really engage with a piece of art in a way that changed me. And I so. so.
4: It, what more can it, you it, ask for?
2: It has been the be- It is the, the best experience I've had uh, in terms of uh, the best artistic experience I've had in a decade. It's That's it. That's, All right. That's,
4: that's amazing. Chandler. What, what are your, what's your score back in uh, back in back in the day and and before oh, and after podcast?
3: I mean, I really profoundly loved this movie back then, but I was mm-hmm. probably at an eighty-five.
4: Yeah. But I
3: think, honestly, Kenny, this conversation you you Sandra owed me or. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I made you love this movie.
3: Yeah, like you you gave yeah. me a reason to make me love it in a way that mm. profoundly has shaped me and, and changed me forever. And I now have a more powerful relationship to last night than I did before. Oh. So uh, thank you for that. Even though I watched it on the CBC Gem website, where literally every 20 minutes there was an advertisement about like uh
5: Scotia Vaccinations. And Don't vaccine. die. Yeah.
3: <laughs> but by the end of it, I was weeping like and just as profoundly moved as I ever have before. So yeah, I mean, I wasn't like, I, there is a cynicism to it and um, there is a kind of like bland Canadian civility that is sort of like mm. humorous, but also kind of dark and there kind of has all the hallmarks of what we think of with Canadian cinema, which is like violence and weird sex and quirks sure. and oddness and coldness mixed with like extreme reserves of warmth and passion that are just hidden all the time because we're too afraid to express ourselves. But that ending is so transcendent. You're right; it is one of the most powerful and beautiful endings, like in a movie ever. And it's just, I really uh, tip my 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 roots cap to, <laughs> <laughs> to Don McKellar, to my countryman Don McKellar for making such a beautifully created first feature. Like it's just so hard to do, and he really did an extraordinary job. And I don't, I I I don't know if he's I, the Red vent Violin is in, incredible too. I think you'll really enjoy it. But um yeah, this is this is his best film for sure.
4: What do you give yeah, it? it? What's it's, your it's number? Really something special. Yeah, what's your number now? Uh,
3: a 91.
4: Sweet. It's okay. That's great. That's great. Um, so so next week, Chandler, we're doing a movie that I don't know if you've seen. Have you seen the film Pushing Tim? Oh, <laughs> Pushing Tim.
3: I haven't seen. Is it about golf?
4: No, uh, it's about so you uh, airplane, cup, right? It's about, yeah, it's about uh, people who work at an uh, airplane uh, traffic control center.
3: Oh, is Kevin Costner? That's in? what
4: pushing tin is. They're pushing planes around.
3: Oh,
2: it's, it's uh Billy Bob John Thornton.
4: Cusack, oh. John Cusack, Billy Bob Thornton, Angelina, Angelina. Jolie, and Kate Blanchett. Damn,
3: this is it is a weird movie. Angelina Jolie and um Billy Bob. Ferdinand. That's where they met.
2: All right. So I have a I have a trivia question for, I have a, a trivia question for you, Chandler, because I think Phil might know the answer to this. Okay. Three of those four actors at some point in my life, I would consider like one of my favorite actors ever. Yeah. Uh, three of those four actors I think are like very, very important to me. Uh, who's the fourth? Who's the who's fourth? The
3: fourth?
2: Yeah, who's the one I don't consider very important to be?
3: Wait, who's in the cast? Billy Bob Thornton, John Cusack, Angeline Jolie, and. Kate Blanchett? Yeah. I'm going to say Kate Blanchett. Correct. <laughs>
2: <laughs> That's why I'm not a fit for film Twitter. Because you don't like well, Carol. No, no, I think she's fantastic and I think she's an amazing actor. But like, uh, but like I'm going to say anything, kid. And I'm like, I Sling Blade was like the first smart guy movie I had ever seen. And I think Angelina Jolie is like our greatest actress ever. So that's me. Wow. I said that on this podcast before.
3: John Malkovich, that's that's an incredible performance by him.
4: A a, a movie that, you know, we talked obviously a little bit about being John Malkovich in the past, but I forget that it's John Cusack and Cameron Diaz in that movie. Like, I forget that it's them that they were in that movie. Oh, yeah. It's transformative performances from both of them.
3: And Catherine Keener in that movie, that is the most like savviest, sexiest, coolest woman ever been in. That is,
4: Kenny and I often talk about how we're drawn towards. Uh mean girls. <laughs> and she is the meanest. <laughs> right. Yeah. We, 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 but she's but she's ultimately, ultimately not interested
2: in us, I think. But
5: yeah, uh,
2: correct. correct. But um yeah, yeah. no, we've but also we've also said like a pathological that's a
3: logical user in that movie. She'll use the best,
2: that. the best. <laughs> Nothing better.
3: It's looking for that's, a body uh, to climb inside of.
2: Again, that's why I love Gone Girl so much. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, you know, we've also said, I mean, I Chandler, I think you're right on this tip. Like uh, that's that's my famous my favorite supporting actress performance like ever. She should have won. Yeah.
3: Oh. Yeah. I, she's amazing. And like as a woman that has is covered in freckles, I'm so happy that uh, she exists for us. <laughs>
2: You know, you just Well, you just missed a Julianne Nicholson
4: performance too. So. Yeah, <laughs> a lot of freckles in Julia Nicholson. Yeah. Um, yeah. So next week we're doing Pushing Tin with Ryan Marker, uh, co-host, co-creator of uh, of Screen Drafts. So he's going to come on and talk with us about that. Uh, it's it's a. I've been looking forward. Weirdly, I don't know, Kenny, if I've talked, if I've said this to you, but Pushing Tin has been one of those films I've actually been really looking forward to doing because it is a very strange film with four. Giant stars, a movie that doesn't exist. Like if you took a poll, people oh. be like, I didn't know this movie existed.
2: It's also, you know, it's a movie fit for Joe Reed's podcast because it is totally. a movie people had Oscar aspirations for mm-hmm. that uh, that didn't really mm-hmm. it's it also the, really it didn't really take off. <laughs> <Two
4: either>. uh, <laughs> it's also right. the only it is the only feature script written by the Charles brothers who created Cheers.
5: Wow. Whoa! So,
4: and, and Mash, I think. Did they? Uh, Les Charles. I don't and, know. And, uh, uh, but the, it's it's their only script. I guess they had. It's their only feature idea that they ever had, which I think is hilarious. And it's based on uh, an article they read about uh, the the I guess just the the mental anguish that uh, air traffic controllers go through, um, which is that you actually can't do it for too long. At a certain point, um, you have to leave the profession. Because of insurance purposes, there's fear that like you might actually like crash planes. Wow! Um, and it's just an incredibly stressful job. Um, yeah, they, doesn't they, sound they fun. didn't
2: create Mash; they just wrote on Mash. But uh, and Taxi. There you
4: go. Um, but yeah, it's a weird movie, Chandler. I think you it's might like plans. it, <laughs> um, but I haven't seen it since '99, which I saw in the theater. It's weird. Um, anyway, Chandler, more than anything. Thank you so much for being here, for oh. coming and talking about, uh, coming on here, talking about uh, Last Night with Us. You're our, our fellow uh, Torontonian.
3: Thank you. Um,
4: Anytime Chandler's
3: gonna... in a movie, I'll be there. That'll this was the last was one think...
4: of 99. Uh, there, was a, there was another Canadian
2: film that I, I oh, it was Felicia's Journey. That Felicia's thought, Journey. You, maybe we do. But um, Chandler's going to think I do this on every podcast. I've done this twice.
4: <laughs> only, for <Chandler's, laughs> only for Chandler's movies.
2: No, Those are really the only two new film films that were completely new to me that mm-hmm. I've like gone gaga for. There are others I've really liked, but
4: and I really like Guinevere. I think it's a great film. Yeah, yeah Guinevere is, is great.
3: I'm well, so the
4: funny good. thing is that that Chandler was supposed to she was she was going to come on to be a guest for sex lies and videotape but because she was filming her movie we recorded that with also an illustrious guest Jessica Ellis it was a great and a great filmmaker but had Chandler been here for sex lies and videotape you would have been three for three because <laughs> I love well, I love that seen movie sex lies and videotape before no I, I had I have okay. barely seen it like once twenty years. Yeah, long, I, I
2: love Sex I Lies, Lies, Lies. As a Videotape, but that doesn't yes. you know that's that doesn't shock me that I love it. Like that's sure, a movie sure, sure. that you know that's 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 obviously a pretty you know formative movie, a pretty pretty foundational movie for American independent cinema. Yeah. But this is this is this is as obscure this obscure movie that we did that like frankly we kind of cheated to get on the list too. <laughs> you know, like it's you know.
5: I, 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 yeah. I
3: think the lobbying for the Criterion really starts here because I think you're I, absolutely oh. right. If, if, it's, if In the Mood for Love is going to be on Criterion, an excellent film, this film is just as romantic at the very end.
4: I, I got to tell you, Kenny, and I talked about this a little bit as well on our uh, Girl on the Bridge episode. Girl on the Bridge, I don't know if you've seen that film, Chandler. I don't um, know
3: what that is at all.
4: I think you would absolutely love that film. Um, it's a uh, Patrice LeConte film. Um, it's absolutely exquisite without a doubt one of the most romantic movies ever and they never kiss it is just the i, I mean yeah, that's the other one i did it for you that's right. the other I one right there, yeah. like these two yeah. movies should be in the criterion collection as yeah. like the most romantic movies ever and no one knows they exist <laughs> so let's just yeah. uh keep uh, keep hmm. banging that drum but but if yeah. um but if i highly recommend chandler um watching girl on the bridge i think you'd really love it doesn't well, it bother you day-
3: don't let this detract you from watching Canadian movies. There's lots of good stuff out there. No, this is little, true. Wet your whistle. <laughs> check out the IMDb,
4: mm-hmm.
3: You know, and uh, you've got
4: Chandler's movie coming out soon. I'll more. definitely watch
2: your. <laughs> film we we, we definitely,
4: that. we'll definitely be watching that. But that's um, the
2: biggest. That's the biggest takeaway of. of I mean, aside from <laughs> the film, the biggest, the biggest global takeaway here is uh, there are probably millions of movies that have been made. Hundreds of thousands, if not millions, of features. Uh, We've seen such a small fraction of them, and you have no no idea of where your favorite film is right now. You have no idea, so it's not even. And I and I don't even consider myself to be a snob. I watch you know, or or, or a reverse snob, I guess. Uh, I'll watch films. I'll watch any kind of film, experimental film, foreign film. I I I, I search out great films. I want to be affected by. I'm affected like this. Yeah, but uh, you never know. You so keep keep trying. <laughs> Watch every movie from a year. You might find yeah. something you love
3: <laughs> I also think that if they remake this, Elliot Page should play um Patrick. Oh,
4: that's interesting. Mm, that's that, interesting.
3: They would be incredible. That'd
4: be cool. Yeah. I, I, I love this movie, and I'm so glad, uh, Kenny, that that you loved it too, and and uh, and Chandler having you on to talk about it with us was just this I, I could not have expected uh, such a such a, a wonderful episode. Honestly, yeah, really, thank just you so for much
3: for the transformative conversation. Well, there
4: <laughs> there you go. Go. You're very, Chandler, you're, can't wait you're, to have you back. you're you're a great guest, and we can't wait to have you for an 89er <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> <All right. laughs>
2: or well, a 99er, but, but but uh, for the Patreon. Okay,
4: We'd love to have you. Okay, right. bye guys.
3: Thanks, everyone.
4: Also, please check out our Reddit as well at reddit.com/podcastlikeits. We're also on Twitter at Podcast Likeits. We're also on Instagram at Podcast like it. Thank you to Ernie and Will for producing our episodes, Sullivan for our social media, Yonkatas for our artwork and theme songs. And most of all, thank you all for listening.